Shit, I'm tripping. 
Sipping on some skinny bitches, some that's wholesome. Florida, the folsom for the most. I'm steady sipping on some sipping on some scissors. You know, this is what my users do to me. This is what my listeners do to me, is they force me to play things like this. When I announce that I will play songs if people donate to the free roll, that they can choose the songs, of course they're going to choose rap. Of course, every week they're going to choose rap. They're going to choose music that I absolutely would never want to play on this show. And now I have actually hit my breaking point. And that's it. As much as I want money for this free roll, I can't take it anymore. So... Next week, nothing. Next week, there's going to be no show. But two weeks from now, July 30th, when I return to the air, I will choose the song, and I don't care what gets donated to the free roll. At some point, I have to take creative control back, and that point is now. But tonight, I kept my promise, and for the third week in a row, played rap on the show. This one, Three Six Mafia sipping on some syrup. I've never heard this song before. And uh, this came from Richard Brody's Comb Over. So... He gets the last rap song on this show. So the experiment's over. If you hate the rap at the beginning, it's gone after this show. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. July 16th, 2013. The World Series of Poker is complete, except for the final table of the main event. Which will take place in, I believe, October I will not be at that table, as most of you have figured out already. Wish I was. I kind of thought about that today. Like, how would I be feeling right now, other than good, if I was going to the October 9 or November 9, whatever they call it now? How would my next few months be? It's got to actually be pretty stressful, wondering where you're going to finish. It's just such a huge difference between 9th, which is like, I don't know, 700, 800k, and first, which is 8.3 million, plus everything that comes with being the World Series of Poker main event champion. Anyway, I won't be any of those people. I wasn't even a casher this year. And I'm going to talk about that tonight. That'll be the first thing I talk about. I have to get this off my chest. I had a very traumatic end to my World Series of Poker. Literally, a traumatic end where I was physically affected, where I couldn't even walk for about uh, 20 minutes after it happened. And it actually is making me rethink whether I want to continue playing the World Series of Poker. I'm not even kidding here. I'm not one of these idiots who goes out and says, oh, I'm retiring just to get attention. I'm not retiring from poker. I'm still going to play cash. When online poker comes back legally to all of the U.S., I'll, I'll definitely be active again online. So I'm not quitting poker. But the World Series, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to continue with it after what happened at the main event this year. We'll talk about that. Um, before I go any further, I want to make two very important announcements. Two very important announcements. Number one, we have a free roll tonight, $75 on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that at the very top of the screen. It says No Fraud Online Poker. Just register a free account there. You don't even need play chips. You can sit in the free roll at 7.40 p.m., a $75 free roll, no limit hold'em. The only requirement to be able to get the free money that is at stake is that 
you have to have a registered account on the site as of January 1st, 2013. If you don't have a registered account on the site, when I say this site, I mean the forum, by January 1st, 2013, you can apply for a one-time and permanent exemption that will allow you to always qualify for the free money. And you do that by either PMing me Dan Space Druff or emailing me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's all one word, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. And tell me how long you've been around, how long you've been listening, how long you've been reading the forum, and give me some details of what you've been listening to or reading and convince me you have been around and aren't just here this week. The reason I do this is to prevent people from showing up just to play the free role and contribute nothing to the site. But I'm not even asking for contributors. I'm more asking for people who just are loyal listeners or loyal readers of the forum. I just don't want free roll leeches here. That's what I'm looking to prevent. So far, we've prevented it pretty well. So uh, that's announcement number one. It starts at 740, no late registration. First place, 40 bucks. Second place, 20 bucks. Third place, 10 bucks. Fourth place, 5 bucks. That money did not come from me. It came from $50 worth from C Money. Hockey Guy gave 5 bucks. Hurdle King gave $10 and $10 from Richard Brody's comb over to play that fine piece of music at the beginning of this show. So that's where the 75 came from. It comes from our listeners, not from me. Very, very generous listeners to this show, and I appreciate that each and every week. And thanks to all of our listeners, Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money in poker free rolls of any poker podcast in the world over the past year. So thank you to all our users who have donated money, and in many cases, donate back their own winnings. But you don't have to donate your own winnings. You can... Uh, be paid any way you want. I'll PayPal it to you. I'll send a bank transfer. I'll send you a check. Whatever. This is real cash money, not some crappy online poker chips. Second announcement, and this is also related to money. For once, it's money for me. We have a sponsor. That's right. Poker Fraud Alert has its second sponsor ever, and first sponsor in quite some time, because for a while now we've had no sponsor. And as you might have guessed, with no sponsor, I am losing money every month on the site. I'm not losing that much money. It doesn't cost that much to, money to run. It's more effort than uh, money. But I am losing money every month, and that little Amazon banner at the bottom of the screen does not make me very much at all. I make a, yeah, a few bucks from it every month. I appreciate those of you that click on it, and I encourage everybody who likes the show to click on the Amazon banner before you buy anything. You get the identical deal, and I, I don't see who you are. I just get a commission. So even if you buy something really embarrassing, I won't see it. I'll see what you bought, but I won't see who you are. Uh, so I appreciate anyone doing that, but it does not make me much money. It helps a little bit, but uh, I still lose money very clearly each and every month on the site. However, we have a sponsor. Now, I've been approached before for sponsors. I get emails all the time for various affiliate programs that I can join various companies, shady casinos, shady poker rooms that want me to put up their banner on Poker Fraud Alert. And what I always ask them is, I want to know something about your site. How stable are you? Who regulates you? Etc., etc., etc. I'm not going to just put up a banner of anyone who's going to give me money because that would be violating what this site is all about. This site is about exposing frauds and scams within poker and within gambling. And imagine if I were sitting here every week exposing these frauds and then promoting companies that are committing them. That would be extremely hypocritical, and I would never do that. 
I don't care what they pay me. I'm serious. I, I really don't care what they pay me. I would never use this site to promote shady companies. As soon as I know a company is shady, I would never promote them. Or if they appear shady on the surface, I would never promote them. Now, I can't guarantee every company I ever promote is 100% uh, perfect because you know there's only so much I know. But I look into every company that asks me to promote them, and I see if I will feel comfortable personally promoting that company. And uh, until now, the only one I felt comfortable promoting was uh, Bracket Geek, which actually was owned by or co-owned by uh, users here. So recently I was approached by a company called Stat Clash, and they wanted to advertise here. I didn't seek them out. They found me. And they said they wanted to advertise on Poker Fraud Alert. And, um, you know, so I, I asked about them. I took a look at their website. And after looking into them a bit, I decided that I'm giving them two thumbs up. They look good to me. They are not a poker site. They are not a, even a traditional gambling site. They are a fantasy sports site where um, you don't have to play a full season or anything. You can play much shorter than a full season. But it's, uh, it's fantasy sports for money, which, by the way, is 100% legal. Online poker is not 100% legal unless you're in the state of Nevada and soon New Jersey and are physically in that state playing on approved rooms. But for the most part, online poker is illegal. Um, online sports books, very illegal. And you're not going to get in trouble for playing on these things, but uh, these sites themselves don't exist in the U.S. There is no regulation, and they have to use very shady payment processors to get money on and off, and many times they just run off with your money. We've talked about that many, many times on this show. Uh, fantasy sports sites are not like this because the law allows for fantasy sports for money online. So they don't have to hide behind shady processors. When you deposit, it doesn't show that you just bought $1,000 worth of women's clothes or golf balls or something when you're really depositing to a site. No, this is all totally legal, totally on the level. The government knows about it. They're totally fine with it. And uh, as a result, you can get paid very quickly, just like in online poker in the old days. So... Stat Clash is the name of this company, and um, from everything I can see, it looks like a good company. And so they are the Poker Fraud Alert sponsor for at least the next month or so, and we'll see what happens from there. Now, when I say we see what happens from there, that's up to the rest of you. Because if the sponsor gets a good reaction from the people listening, and you guys sign up and you play there, then they'll probably want to continue here. If nobody goes and signs up there and they feel like they wasted their money advertising here, they probably won't advertise again, and I wouldn't blame them. So um, if you enjoy this show and you enjoy fantasy sports and you might want to, you know, you think, hey, it sounds interesting to compete against other people playing fantasy sports for money. And again, you don't have to waste a year. It's not like you need to waste an entire season on the NBA or NFL or baseball or whatever. Like, you don't have to devote a lot of time to this. It's not like a traditional fantasy sports league. So if you want to compete in fantasy sports for money, even has a 50 to 50% first-time deposit bonus, once you sign up there, it's very clear how to get to that, then go there and tell them in some way. I don't have any kind of like code or anything to give them, but you know, send feedback or whatever and say, hey, I heard about this on Poker Fraud Alert. And then if they hear this enough, then they will probably want to continue here. Why should you do this? Because... I'm providing this forum and this radio show for free. I think I'm pretty reliable with it, even though I jump the days around occasionally I, you know, to fit my personal schedule. 
I'm here almost every week doing this radio show. I'm on the site almost every day providing both content and... Uh, hmm, my phone's ringing. I wonder who that is. You know what? I'm going to connect this person on here. No. No, I won't. I think it's the wrong number. Here, like some spit. Here, check this out. Put this on speaker. Hello? Oh. <laughs> I thought it was Ken Scaler calling me from a payphone I was going to connect him on, but I heard some Spanish in the background, so I doubt that was him. Anyway, the reason to support our sponsor is because I provide everything for free. I put a lot of effort into it. I, I try to post some good content on the forum, try to warn everybody in the uh, scan, scan, scam scandals and shadiness about, uh, well, scams and frauds occurring in online poker and regular poker and uh, other gambling. I, I try to find things that you want to read that you'd want to hear about and, and post them. I put a lot of effort into this site, and I lose money from it. So I'm not running this to get rich, but if you'd like to see me like break even, then support the sponsor. That's all I'm asking. Now, if you have no interest in fantasy sports, fine. I'm not asking you to just throw away money there. But uh, if it sounds interesting to you, definitely go give it a try, and I think you'll like it. So that's Stat Clash, and I will be playing a an ad from them on this and uh, the next several shows. And don't worry, I won't overplay the ad. And we'll, we will be having them on for an interview, not this week, but uh, one of the upcoming weeks, so you can learn more about them. And that's StatClash, S-T-A-T-C-L-A-S-H dot com, exactly as it sounds. StatClash is our new sponsor. So I'd like to welcome them to Poker Fraud Alert. Very happy to have them here. Well, what I'm not very happy to have is a non-cash for the third consecutive year in the World Series of Poker main event where I made it very deep and was very close to cashing. Three times in a row this has happened to me, and this year was the worst yet. I will talk about that. That'll be the first thing we talk about on the show. Also, World Series news. The final table has been established today. or I think it was yesterday, actually. Whatever. The final table's been established. And we have nine people that will play in October. One of them is known to a lot of you. Mark Newhouse. Now, Mark Newhouse, is he's known in poker, but he's not the biggest name. But Mark Newhouse is known to this community. In fact, he posted on the site where I originally came from before uh, starting Poker Fraud Alert. He posted there sometimes. He also uh, was on our radio show on that site. I also have known him personally. Since, like, 2006. Maybe even 2005. He's never been a close friend of mine, but I've always gotten along with him. I always thought he was a nice kid. In fact, I always felt he was too nice for poker. I felt he uh, he was too nice and generous to be involved in poker. And when I say too nice, like, you know, do I think I'm a jerk? Do I think I'm an asshole? Well, I know some of you do, but uh, I know I don't think so. But I also don't think that I'm too nice. Uh, I definitely think of myself, I'm definitely on guard that, um, you know, no one's screwing with me or taking advantage of me before I do a favor for someone. I'll do a favor for someone if I think they deserve it or they've always been nice to me or whatever, but, uh, you know, I'm not someone who you describe as too nice. I don't think many would describe me that way. But 
new house, unfortunately, is, or at least was. And people took advantage of him in the past. And I hope this will not happen this time around. But he has made the World Series of Poker main event final table, 8th out of 9 in chips. Was the chip leader with like 21 left, I think. And uh, we're going to try to call him tonight. I don't have him scheduled to be called. And I imagine he's very busy today because this is the first day after he made the final table. So I'm sure he's got a million people calling him. And uh, he may be out partying or whatever. So we may not reach him. Why didn't I arrange this beforehand? Well, because I knew that Mark Newhouse, the last thing he's going to want to do the day after he makes the main event final table, especially after all he's been through over the last several years, would be sit around at home waiting for a phone call to be on the show. So I knew if I asked him, he'd say, no, I'm too busy and, and be serious about it. Not just to be, you know, not to be a jerk and not to say, you know, just blow me off. I think he really just wouldn't want to be waiting around for a phone call and commit to that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take the approach of just calling him and we'll see if he answers. And if he answers, we'll see if he talks. And if he talks, great. If he's too busy, I understand. Because, uh, you know, think about it. I've, I've never made a main event final table before, even come that close. Closest I got was 88th. But I have to imagine... The next day afterward, you just uh, give a lot going on. But we'll try to reach him anyway. Two other World Series stories we'll talk about tonight. The 62nd place finisher, Vladimir Geshkinbin, I think that's how you say his name, G-E-S-H-K-E-N-B-E-I-N, Geshkinbin, I I don't know. He scammed his backers. Pretty ugly story. We'll talk about that. And... Speaking of something else on the shady side, on day one of the World Series of Poker main event, an old man tried to dump his chips to Doc Sands, you know, David Sands. He got to really like David Sands. He he could not make the next day because uh, he had to go back home because his uh, father just died. I'm saying the old man's father just died, so his father must have been really old. So uh, he got to really like David Sands and uh, wanted to give him his chips because he wasn't coming back. So he tried to chip dump to him. Uh, Doc Sands actually felt uncomfortable with this because it's against the rules and it's unethical. But um, a very weird way it all went down. And when it was all said and done, <laughs> Doc Sands ended up uh, he ended up losing his chips. He ended up crippled thanks to this attempt to dump chips to him. Really weird story. We'll talk about that and we'll talk about what I would have done in Doc Sands' position. Non-World Series of Poker News, Party Poker is partnering with the Borgata to enter the New Jersey online poker market. You heard about Poker Stars partnering with the uh, resorts casinos. Well, we have uh, Party now partnering with the Borgata. So it'll be very interesting there in New Jersey. This will start later this year. Dutch Boyd is back in the news. He made a video. Seriously serious. I mean, he's been working for Bluff the entire summer. And uh, he's done some great videos. Seriously Serious really knows what the public wants to hear. Because he, he's like a forum guy like us. He reads the forums. He knows, he knows what we want to hear and he knows what we don't want to hear. He knows that we don't really want to hear boring interviews of people who just want a bracelet. So, how does it feel to win a bracelet? Oh, that feels great. It's a dream come true. So, so when you had Ace-King and, and then that guy three-bet before the flop, did you think of shoving? Oh yeah, well I, I looked at his range. Like like that we don't want to hear that. That's boring. We hear this all the time. What we want to hear is interesting stories, interesting points of view, controversial stories, characters. That's what we want to hear. And that's what he's been delivering. 
So shortly after our last radio show, why it wasn't on the previous show, it's about a week old now, Dutch Boyd made a whopper of a video with Seriously Serious. And uh, you don't hear Seriously Serious on the video because he edited himself out. You just hear Dutch speaking. But it's very interesting. And in this case, Dutch is mainly talking about Scott Fishman, you know, his former uh, good friend and uh, member of the crew. Boy, he trashes Fishman hard and pretty much says that uh, Fishman's a complete nutcase now. So play that video. I'll give, I will give you my opinion of the whole thing. Last week we had uh, someone on the show named Eric Sonstegard. He was a theft victim at the Rio. Either a former guest of the hotel or a current guest who was double assigned to his room got into his room and stole his iPad and $3,000 from him. There is no doubt this occurred. It really occurred. Last week when we spoke to him, the Rio was trying to worm out of it even though they had verified this occurred and in fact gave him back his own iPad. So you you know they know what happened because they had his iPad. How would they get his iPad if they didn't know who stole it? Well, he finally got some complete justice. He finally got all the money back, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about that. The Revell Casino in Atlantic City, they had a great offer. A $100,000 slot rebate in the month of July. A slot rebate is where if you lose that money, they give it back to you in free play. So it's not a complete rebate, because you have to still play it through, but it's pretty close. So can you imagine a $100,000 slot rebate? That means you can go to the Revell, you can play high-limit slots, you can lose a hundred grand. Now, of course, you have to show up with a hundred grand, but, you know, provided you have the bankroll, show up with a hundred grand. If you win, great. You know, you, you've won, it's over, and you've pretty much played on their dime. If you lose, then you can walk up to them and say, okay, I lost a hundred grand, and they'll hand you a $100,000 in free play that you can cycle back through for real money. So that was an amazing offer. As you can imagine, a lot of people who had the money to take advantage of it did. I would have if I knew about it. Well, I'm glad I didn't because they screwed these people hard. It should be illegal what they did. It might even be illegal what they did. I will talk about that on this show. And Colonel Fabersham, who is a victim of this, is going to call in, and he's going to give them a piece of his mind. So those of you who are missing Colonel Fabersham, he will make his return calling the Ravel Casino in Atlantic City. Um... We had a lot of lock poker pros do fairly well in the main event. I was disappointed to see that. Definitely was not karma at work. But, uh, you know, we had Annette Oberstad doing well. We had the Grinder doing well for some time. We had uh, Brian Pellegrino, Primordial AA is what he's known as. Uh, Melanie Wisner. I think even a few others. I mean, lock, they really showed up big time at the main event as far as success is concerned. None were super successful. None made it like to the final 18 or whatever, but uh, a lot of people made it deep who were lock pros. Well, Brian Pellegrino did a bluff video again with Seriously Serious and explained why he is still with lock poker at this point after everything that's been happening. One of the things that's been happening on lock, and we'll talk about this too, is that they've been deleting Facebook comments. Lock poker has a Facebook page and... They've been mass-deleting comments, and not just, like, troll comments. I can see why, if you post on the site, like, Lock Poker Sucks, why they delete that. But they've been deleting very legitimate comments. Anything that can slightly make them look bad, even if it's 100% true, they are deleting. Talk about that a little bit. And finally, 
UB scandal figure Bonnie Lanehouse, who was very close with Russ Hamilton going back many years, and helped him move money that he won through cheating, is now the manager at the LVH. What is the LVH? That's the Las Vegas Hilton, but it's no longer owned by Hilton, so it's just called LVH because it's the same property, but it's not owned by Hilton anymore. So they they chose the name LVH in reference to what it once was without calling it a Hilton. Kind of like how Flamingo was once a Hilton, and now it's just called Flamingo because it can't be the Flamingo Hilton anymore. It's not. It's now owned by Caesars. Well, LVH is not owned by Caesars. I, I believe it's an independent uh, hotel. It is in Las Vegas. It's on Paradise, kind of uh, down the street from Circus Circus. And uh, they've hired, I don't know why, with all these people who would be good or competent or decent poker room managers, they hire a UB scandal figure in Bonnie Laneho. So um, we will be calling them as well and getting some comment there. Maybe it'll be Chico Loco. So we've got a few phone calls to make tonight. Usually, in recent times, we've just been talking and not doing a lot of phone calls. But I know the phone calls are always very popular here, and we haven't done enough of them recently, so tonight we will be doing a few phone calls. I am on a time constraint. Uh, Tonight I can only go till 10 o'clock, so I'll try to get everything in. And uh, I know some of you like the really long shows, four hours, five hours, can't do that tonight. We will have to end at 10 o'clock. Right now it's 7.38, which means in two minutes the free roll starting. So hurry up over there. Because there's no late registration I will try to read The chat room As much as I can But I'm doing this show myself So It's hard to do the show Hard to think about what I'm going to say next Hard to control the boards And everything else And read the chat room But I'll try to glance at the chat room as much as I can Um, in the chat room, by the way, right now, uh, Grenada Rogers asking, hasn't LVH chosen an urban theme? Anyone familiar with a clientele going there now? Used to be international slash Asian. I don't know what kind of crowd goes there now. I don't know either, but I used to go there all the time throughout the 90s and very, very early part of the 2000s, just because it was cheap and I'm Jewish. That's where I used to go. Actually, before I was a plus EV gambler, I was actually a negative EV gambler for quite some time. I never gambled big, so I was like, I, I never lost a lot of money gambling. But you know, I'd go play five dollar ga- uh, blackjack tables without uh, counting cards. I, I would play poker a little bit and be a big fish. Then in the two thousands, I wised up and said, you know, whatever I play, I, I've got a, it's got to be positive expectation. So. Anyway, before that I was staying at the LVH when it was called the Hilton. And I will go as far to say that um, the only time I ever had sex with a girl I met from online poker or from poker at all was at the Las Vegas Hilton. (laughs) In 2001, I met a girl from True Poker and we had sex at the Las Vegas Hilton. I've had sex in other hotels in Vegas since then, but that was with existing girlfriends. The only girl I've ever met through poker and had sex with, it occurred at the Las Vegas Hilton, now the LVH. Someone says in the chat room, Druff, the structure for the free roll is too slow. Make it a short stack turbo in the future, thanks. 
Then I see uh, that was from PLOL in the chat room. I also see from A Kessler. That's wrong. The structure is way too fast. I want this tournament to last at least ten hours. Otherwise, it's all luck based. I don't know who to believe here. All right, so let me uh, get to the first topic. And I hate talking about this. I, I kind of don't want to talk about this, but I have to talk about this. Last week I came on here and talked about my first day of the main event, how I survived, how I had a little above average chips. I think I finished with like 54K and average was like 46. My history recently, well, I'll give you my whole history in the main event. From 05 to 09, I did not cash. In fact, 05 to 08, I didn't even make day two. In 09, I made day two with a short stack, but went out pretty fast. In 2010, I changed my style. 2010, I decided that I had too much of a gambly style for the deep stacked main event. And that I needed to get more conservative. I had to be more mindful about what my opponent had. And not just try to ship the money in and hope I'm good. Which is actually not a bad strategy at some of these smaller events. But I felt that the main event it was just too deep and too slow to where gambling a lot early is correct. So I started folding a lot more. I started being a lot more careful. I started making my bets smaller. I started, you know, I, I just made a change to a more conservative player in the main event only. And lo and behold, it worked. First year, I finished 88th. Never had a big stack. In fact, uh, for five days, I sat with a, a short stack pretty much. But I survived made 88th, and I was a race away from having average chips with 88 left. That was in 2010. 2011, I made it to day three. And I was very proud of my play that year. I thought I played great that year in 2011. But uh, just didn't get the cards and busted, I don't know, with about uh, 14% of the field left, and they pay the top 10%. So it came very close, but uh, didn't quite cash. Didn't have any heartbreaker of a hand, and I busted on a race. I, I, I shoved all in with sevens on the button when it folded to me. Small blind had queens. You know, what do you do? That's just very standard. Disappointing, but very, very standard. 2012, had a very good first day, 107K. Mediocre second day, where I just finished with a little bit more than that, like 113 or something. Third day, I came in with a very tough table, including some people who made it down very, very deep that year. This last year I'm talking about. And I also didn't play that well. Ended up losing all my chips, made a horrible river call uh, on my final hand with pocket aces, and uh, busted. I was very disappointed with myself for not cashing. Again, I made it past, uh, you know, 82% of the field or so. So still fairly close to cashing. Some of it was the hard table, some of it was bad cards, some of it was bad play. That's why I busted last year on day three. So this year I came in, had a slightly above average day one. Day two uh, was kind of frustrating, but um, doubled near the end of the day. Finished with 124K, again, slightly above average. Came into day three with an absolutely terrible table. Now, it wouldn't be terrible, by the way, Poker News would report it. Poker News is so funny, they like they just look for whatever names they recognize, and then they say, like, if they see four or five names there they recognize, they say, oh, this is a killer table. But they don't bother to take into account how successful that person's been recently, um, how good they are at this particular game. They just say, hey, if we know the name, it's got to be a tough player, which in many cases it's not. Well, I had a table full of people that weren't very known. 
but were tough. A lot of tough young kids. Even the ones who weren't young were tough. Like, for example, I had uh, Loy Fan in my table. He's probably like in his mid-40s or something. He's a good player. You know, he, he was a good, solid player. Uh, so there was like one soft spot at the entire table. Now, I'm not expecting a table full of fish on day three. But we had like one sort of weak spot at that whole table to start. And then that guy busts like immediately. And then he gets replaced by somebody good. So we had a very tough table. The entire table acknowledged this, in fact. And it seemed like whenever people busted, either they were replaced by someone who was also good, or would be replaced by someone bad who would then bust very quickly to someone else, of course, not to me. And again, somebody good would replace them. By the time I busted, we had nine decent to good players at the table. There was not one bad player at the table when I busted. That was problem number one. Problem number two, I just wasn't getting cards. I just was not hitting hands. And uh, very, very card dead. Could not get anything going. The highest chip stack I ever had in the entire event was 136k. Which when you start with 30, obviously is not that impressive. So it's not like I was ever dominating in this main and then fell apart. I just never really had a big stack. And it's not like if I had gambled more that I would have chipped up huge. I mean, I watched the hands unfold after I folded, and I wasn't even hitting when I folded. <laughs> so, like, I can't even think of spots where I would have made a lot of money if uh, if I had just played. There may have been a few, but, I mean, there were very, very few. So I just didn't get the cards. Um, but here came the uh, traumatic thing. Here came the dramatic... Uh, Situation for me By the way, someone's saying in chat If you don't see the bad player, it's you, Druff <laughs> Others at the ch- at the table are saying th- Others in the chat are saying the same thing um, I know you guys are probably joking But uh, just in case you think I was the fish at the table And just didn't recognize it Everyone at the table towards the end Was bitching about how terrible the table was the whole day like, nobody wanted to say it at first, but eventually the subject came up and everyone's like, oh my god, this is such an awful table. Like, like, everybody said it. Everybody was very, very unhappy with that table. So, it wasn't just me thinking like, uh, wow, there's good players here, and everyone's like staring at me going, oh wow, that's a fish. Look at that fish there. Look at that limit fish here. No, no. <laughs> it wasn't like that, I promise. Uh, so, anyway. And it's not like every single person at the table was like the toughest player ever. But everyone was like at least solid Everyone was like at least decent There was no guy at the table You look at going oh I'm going to win his chips Oh he's going to be easy to play against Oh I hope I hit a hand against him because he's going to give his chips away Or oh I'm going to pick on his blind Because he's too, he's too weak Like there was nobody at the table like that Anyway um, What happened was I was making a lot of folds throughout the event that either I know were good folds because I saw what people had or I'm convinced were good folds because they either told me and seemed very, very honest about it or um, just from what I could tell by the way things played out. I can tell you that a lot of people playing in my spot would have been bust way before I was, which 
didn't end up doing me any good because I didn't cash. The guy who busted first in the event did as well as I did. But I'm just telling you that I got myself there through a lot of smart play. Through a lot of folding when I wasn't good. Where a lot of people would not have folded. Uh, through a lot of strategic uh, bluffs and, and bets that, uh, you know, where I could just tell no one had it and took it down when I didn't have it either. And I'm, I'm not just talking about like standard like three bet stuff, like someone opens late and you three bet with crap and they fold. I mean like, like post-flop stuff. I, I was proud of how I was playing there. I really felt that the chips I had, I really earned. Even the two times I doubled with sets, I got the person in both cases, especially the first case, to put in all their money with a hand that was good but not great. So I was really getting my money in good for the most part there. But I also wasn't hitting cards. And it was also a you know a, a somewhat aggressive table this day three, where you can't just go steal blinds and keep yourself uh, in good shape because people are going to be three betting you and, and knocking you off your, your crappy hands. Unless you want to get in like a, a four bet game of chicken, then then you can't do it. So, um, it really was tough to accumulate chips at that table. So, um, I had a few things happen. And I think this all contributed to what eventually happened to me at the end. So I got down very short to like 40-something K when the average was like over 200. And I'm like, you know, this is obviously I need to double immediately. So I'm looking for the spot to double, but every hand is like raise, re-raise, raise, re-raise. And I'm not going to four bet over the top with 40K. You know, they're, they're going to call me. One of the two is going to call me for sure. So um, I, I'm waiting for a non-trash hand or even a trash hand that, uh, that I can do something with in late position. It d- d- doesn't happen. Finally, uh, I pick up Ace-4 suited. But I'm in early position. I don't like it. In fact, we've had a, a similar discussion on the show before about with ace trash suited in early position, do you shove with it? Some people said yes, some people said no. I actually thought about that discussion as I looked at my ace four suited. But before I even had to really consider is this the right thing to shove with with 45k, I felt eyeballs on me. I felt like everyone's looking at me what I'm going to do. And not like the way you look at the person who happens to be next to have action. I felt like people near me, the next few to act after me, were looking at me more intently like they normally would. I just was getting that feeling out of the corner of my eye. And when I say a feeling, I mean I don't mean like I had a premonition or anything. I mean I was kind of seeing out of the corner of my eye that people were looking at me. And I thought, hmm, I have a feeling they've already looked at their cards. And I think they have a good hand. And I think they're waiting for me to put my short stack in so they can isolate me. So, I took my ace-four suited and threw it in the muck. Next guy folded, next guy raised, next guy three-bet, next guy four-bet. <laughs> so, obviously I wasn't noticing uh, my imagination. The people who were staring at me, the three who were staring at me were the raise, re-raise, re-re-raise. Didn't get to see a showdown there. One of them later told me he had eights, which I believe, not the one who won it. But it was raise, re-raise, re-re-raise. And the flop was like 7-7-3, seven, seven, so my ace-four was not in good shape. And it was one without a showdown by the four-better. So needless to say, um, I prevented myself from busting there, barring some kind of miracle. 
So I was proud of myself. Not that it takes a, an amazing player to fold Ace-4 suited, but, you know, I, I was proud of myself for noticing that they were watching me and that they were probably holding good hands and waiting for my chips to go in. Well, not that long after that, I'm on the button, and it's one of these rare cases where it actually folded around to my button. And I look, and I see King-8 offsuit. And I go, ah, crap. The reason I thought, oh, crap, is King-8 offsuit, when I'm down to, I actually had 40k at that point, almost exactly 40k. King-8 offsuit is too good not to shove there. You just have to shove there, and just hope the blinds don't have it. But at the same time, there's two good players to my left. And I know that they know what I'm doing. And I know if they look down and see an ace, they're snap calling me. Because they know I'm shoving. Because I'm just trying to steal the blinds here. Because it's folded to my butt. They know I don't necessarily have to have that good of a hand. So I shoved in the king eight, and I'm thinking, please don't have an ace, anybody. Now, small blind didn't, but the big blind had ace seven. And he called. And at that point, I thought, even though I had some chance, I thought my World Series is probably over. Flop comes 4-5-6, which isn't all that good, because uh, he's got my 7 that I need. And uh, if I get my 8, I lose, because he's got his straight. So I'm really looking for a king. And there it was on the turn. There's my king. Of course, i got to still dodge a lot of outs on the river. But it's a very safe five on the river, and I double up. I'm very happy, and I'm very happy with myself for folding that ace four now. Because now I've doubled up. And then I won uh, another hand after that, and I chopped another hand after that. And uh, all of a sudden, I found myself at 136K, my high. I had been at 132 the day before, but now I got to 136, which was still a good deal below average. But we only had 800 and... I don't know, 840 people or so left at that point, 835, something like that. 648 cash. I was feeling pretty good. Like Not only am I going to cash, but uh, I thought I'm, I'm probably in pretty good shape. Like, I, I, I go, you know, no coolers come. I, I bet I could stretch this not only into a cash, but maybe a good deal beyond that. And I felt like it was kind of my destiny to cash in this one after all the good folds. I, I, mean, I folded queens pre-flop on day one. I folded kings pre-flop on day one. I um, I avoided an expensive uh, flopped flush over flopped set situation where I lost but not very much. I made some good calls on the other end. I wasn't just a folder the whole time. I, I made a good call with ace-king high on the river to a fairly big bet to king-queen high that I beat. I didn't make any terrible calls where I was beat for a lot of chips. I was very proud of my play, and... You know, I had that fortunate situation with the King-8. And the fortunate thing with the Ace-4, where I noticed people looking at me. I felt this year, this is going to be the year that I break the Day-3 curse and cash again. So the board showed 828 people, but it had been a little while, so we're probably down to like 825 or so. It's about 175 away from cashing. And then came the hand that really killed me. Literally and uh, figuratively. A loose player, a guy who had a lot of chips, liked to open preflop often, opened in early position. 
earlier in the day I saw him opening with six seven suited in early position. So uh, definitely this is not someone only opening with premiums from there. A guy with a very similar stack to mine, flatted. Came back to me on the button with Ace King offsuit. At this point, I have 116K, actually 116,500. The blinds were uh, 1,500, 3,000, and a 500 ante. So about a, a 9K uh, cost per round. A lot of people like to talk about big bets. But um, I never like talking about big bets in tournaments when there's an ante involved, because the ante, that matters a lot. I like talking more about the M. The M being what the cost per round is, and and then, you know, you take that, well, you take, it's the, your stack divided by cost per round is what your M is. That's uh, something that uh, Dan Harrington wrote in his books, which are, are now somewhat outdated, but the M concept, I think, is still very important. And in my case, the cost per round was 9K. I had about 116. So the M I had was right around, uh, you know, once, uh, 13. So an M of 13, you're definitely not desperate, but uh, you're also not deep. So I thought, what do I do here? This is not an easy spot, because if I re-raise, the raise was to um, 6,000, min-raise. Min-raises were very common at this table. So min-raise call back to me for 6,000. So I could kick it up to 20 or 25. And then if, you know, the first guy shoves, probably call him. If the second guy shoves, then I know he's slow-playing something and I can fold. Um, and maybe if the first guy shoves, I can fold. But I was thinking I'd probably call the first guy. Second guy, if he shoves, I'm definitely folding because that's weird to just flat and then, and then shove. So I was thinking of kicking it up to like 20 or 25 and see what they do. But then I thought about something. I said, wait a minute. So let's say one or both call. And then the flop bricks for me. And I don't hit the ace or king. Then what do you? What do I do at that point? If they check to me, do I continuation bet? And if so, how much? Because the pot will already be like, uh, you know, depending on how much I, I raise to. Somewhere between 70k and uh, and like 85k, so that's already a big pot pre-flop. So I have to make a healthy continuation. I can't bet like 7k into the pot; nobody will fold. So I'd have to bet something big enough at that point to make them fold, to not look suspicious like I missed and I'm trying to preserve my chips. But at the same time, I am trying to preserve my chips. So what if the flop comes 10 high? What do I do? Do I fire another 30k into the pot, 25k into the pot to try to take it? And if they call, then give up unless I hit an ace or a king, or if they check-raise me fold? Or do I just check behind? Like, I was thinking, boy, this is going to be hard to play post-flop with the stack I have. You know, I could end up shooting off half my stack on just trying to c-bat it. So I thought, hmm, maybe I should just flat it. But I'm going, you know, how, how can I be flatting ace-king against two people, one being a, a loose razor and one being a flatter? H- how can I do this? How can I be flatting ace-king at this point if I'm trying to earn chips? Because I'm not trying to min-cash. I'm trying to get chips. So I decided, you know, I'm just going to shove. I'm going to shove. They're probably just going to both fold, and I'll get 21k out of it. Which, you know, when you only have 116 is, is a, a decent uh, take there. 
it's not going to greatly change my position, but it's you know it's 21k still. And if I get called by one or both of them, you know I'm not in bad shape unless somebody has aces or kings. And I'm thinking, what's the chances that one or both have aces or kings? If uh, I have one of the aces and I have one of the kings, that was my thinking. It was the opposite of the way I had been playing thus far. I had been very conservative, very careful, very just mindful not to get my money in bad. I wasn't playing scared, but I was playing like, I was like thinking about every spot and saying, am I getting my money in bad here? I am? Okay, I'm throwing it away. Or am I racing here? I don't really want to race. I'm throwing it away. Like, like that was my mindset for most of the time. Obviously, when I got short, that wasn't my mindset anymore. You know, obviously, I'm not shoving king eight um, because that's a premium hand. But when I was short and even semi-short, there I was happy to have a race at that point. But at 116, I didn't want necessarily want to have a race. But I said, look, average is like double of me. My M's only 13. I can't fear the bubble. I've just got to do it. So I did it. I shoved. First guy folded pretty quickly, and I felt good about myself. And then came the moment I'll never forget. Call. Snap call from the second guy. And the feeling... I felt like somebody kicked me in the stomach. Because I knew what he was going to turn over. You know, you know what he was going to turn over. Obviously aces. So he turns over his red aces. Flop comes ten high. Two clubs, so I do have a club draw back door. But uh, turn's not a club. Drawing dead. Then we had to go through a very torturous process. And that was figuring out if I had busted or not. Because... Uh, the guy who called me had a very similar stack to mine. So uh, he counted out his chips. He said he had 115k even. They counted out my chips. They told me I have like, I don't know, 111. They said, I'm sorry, you know, you're busted. I actually was saying, look, it doesn't really matter, you know, if I finish with a tiny bit more. <laughs> or if I had a tiny bit more than him, it's not like I'm going to double from 1,000 back to a playable stack here. I don't care if you say a chip in a chair. If you've got a, a thousand when the uh, average stack is over two hundred, uh, you're not coming back from that, barring a, s- a severe miracle. Especially when you're all in the next hand, no matter what. So uh, I was just about to walk away when they said I only have 111. I thought I had 116, but I, they counted it as 111. I, I actually trusted them and walked. Started to walk away, and someone says, "Wait, wait." You counted that wrong. The stacks are too high. Because people typically stack it in 20s when they count it, 20 chips. Uh, The stacks were too high. I think it was my fault for stacking them too high, but whatever. Uh, They recounted it. Guess what? Turned out, I had him covered by 1,500. So, I I was still alive with 1,500 in chips, with the ante being 500. Needless to say, I was all in blind the next hand. 5-7 offsuit. Uh, believe it or not, nobody raised that hand. I actually went all in blind from lay position. Uh, two blinds obviously called. They just checked down each other. They both checked down. I flopped a gut shot. Queen 3-6. Did not get there. Finished with 7 high. Obviously busted. Felt really, really terrible. I felt terrible because I felt like I kind of made a mistake. I felt like... I, I knew it wasn't a big mistake, but I felt like it was. I deviated from the strategy I had stuck to all that way. I prevented myself from busting so many times. And here I just threw caution to the wind and threw it all in with Ace-King. 
just hoping that they didn't have me beat and hoping that if they did have something good, I could outrace them. I did it on a wing and a prayer rather than um, through careful analysis. And that's what bothered me. Someone says in the chat, the moral of the story is Druff is a fish. And maybe I am. Someone saying in the chat, uh, I tuned out for a while. Can you please restart your whole story for me from the beginning? I'll do that. So anyway, on day one, I got to tell Pocket Quit. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, before I walked away, I asked one of the guys at the table about a hand we had played like five minutes beforehand. I was just curious what he had. Just to, just curious from my own knowledge whether I made a good fold or not. And he told me what he had. He told me he had trip tens. And I totally believe him because he added on to the story saying, oh yeah, you know, I played it bad. I meaning him. He was blaming himself, saying he played it bad. It shouldn't have gotten to the river in the first place. And I could tell if he's going to make up a lie about what he had, he wouldn't have gone through this whole editorial about how he played. He would have just said, oh, I had trip tens if he was lying. Uh, here he told me like the whole story of you know what he was thinking and you know, so he definitely had me beat that time and I, again I made a good fold. But um, so I got that information, and I started to walk back to my stately hotel room at the Rio. Except I couldn't. Now when I say I couldn't, I don't mean somebody was physically blocking me. I don't mean that I couldn't accept that I was out of the main event. I knew I was. I don't even mean I was refusing to leave. I wasn't being an asshole telling everyone, no, no, I'm staying here. No, I'm not leaving. This is my seat. When I say I couldn't leave, I mean I physically couldn't. My body was not letting me leave. It wasn't pulling me back there, but I I was feeling like I was dizzy. I was feeling like I had no energy. I felt like I couldn't walk. I stumbled over to a table that was empty and sat there. I was just sitting, trying to have this pass. Now, this has never happened to me before, and I've played a lot of events. Hell, I made a final table this year. I was chip leader with 12 left. I was chip leader even at the final table briefly, at the 5K limit. But when I busted from that, I didn't have that feeling. I just walked off and said, yeah, sucks to finish fifth, but whatever. I'd never had this happen before, ever, in poker, in all the years I've played. With tournaments and cash, I've never had it where I, I'm so disappointed over what's happened and so shocked over what's happened that like I can't leave, that I'm like physically unable to leave. I never had this before ever, and I've had many, many worse moments in poker than that. Many worse moments than that. I'm not going to recount all those moments, but I've had many worse moments than that. But I couldn't leave. I felt like if the building was on fire, I just had to sit there and burn. Because I, I, could, I couldn't get myself up. I almost felt like I was going to fall on the floor. So I'm sitting there. Now, my mind's working okay at this time. Like, I'm not going crazy. In my mind, I'm saying, this is crazy. I'm saying, I, I'm telling myself, get with it here. Stand up, walk back to your freaking room. You can lie down if you want there. But, you know, get your ass up and walk back. So you busted the main event. It sucks, but this isn't the end of your life. Yes, it sucks you didn't cash for 19K or more, but, you know, it's not the end of your life. You, you didn't need the 19K. I'd like the 19K, but I don't need the 19K. I wouldn't have played a 10K event if I needed 19K. So I'm, I'm trying to reason to myself why this is not that big of a deal and just to move on. But I couldn't. I tried. My body was not listening. Well, what made it even worse is that a... Uh, 
some floor man or something came up to me and said, uh, I have to leave the empty table, which was not even in the play area. It was like a, a closed play area from tables that had broken a while ago. He told me I had to leave because it's a secure area now and no one's allowed to sit there. I almost said, I can't stand up. Call first aid over here. But I, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to be a bother that way. I didn't want to make a spectacle of myself that way. I was even embarrassed about it. So I forced myself up, stumbled out to the hallway of the Rio. And by this point, I only had a few steps left in me. I felt like if I don't sit somewhere immediately, I'm going to fall on the ground. I was super dizzy, no energy, feeling nauseous. I was just every, every symptom you could think of. Well, I found one of these closed uh, booths, you know, like uh, vendor booths. Cause it, was, it was 10 o'clock now, they were all closed. With a desk, so I sat down at one of those desks. And for 15 minutes, I just sat there. And I was trying to talk myself into stopping this. Trying to talk my body into stopping this reaction. I, I pictured my son's face. I thought about all the things I really love about him. I, I thought about my girlfriend. I thought about my family. I thought about the fact that I'm one of the few poker pros from the poker boom that still has his money. thought about all the guys who have to be staked or borrow money or whatever to even play in this thing while I'm entering with my own money that I won from all those years ago and didn't throw away. And I'm trying to tell myself you know, how nice that is. Didn't work. Every positive thing I could think of in my life, it didn't matter. I even thought of this site. I even thought of this radio show. Didn't matter. It got worse and worse. I could not psych myself out of feeling this way. Then I started to worry about something different. I started feeling my heart beating faster. I started to feel like um, my, my vision was blurring. I almost felt like I was about to faint. Then I thought about my age. I thought, I'm 41 years old. Men in their 40s can get heart attacks. That's actually one of the biggest reasons that uh, men's life expectancy is less than women's is because men get heart attacks earlier. Women catch up eventually, but uh, earlier in life, men get heart attacks a lot more than women do, starting from men's 40s. So I'm thinking, shit. What if whatever happened here has sent me into some kind of panic a panic I don't even want. That that somehow brings them on a heart attack. I started the, what, what, I started worrying I'm going to have a heart attack here. Not that that busting for the main was going to give me a heart attack, but the reaction from it will then bring on a heart attack. And I'm trying so hard to just stop this. And I'm trying to tell myself, you know, if when this all passes, I, I got to really think if I want to play this again. It's what a freaking mess this has become. So um, I'm sitting there, 15 minutes are passing. It's not getting any better. I was almost about to just call out to the hallway and say, hey, you know, get first aid over here. But um, I figured I'd give it a little more time. After about 15 minutes, uh, I started to feel sweat on the top of my head, a lot of sweat. And I was happy to feel that sweat because... It kind of told me this was over. It kind of told me like this, like it's now being sweated out of my system. If it, it sounds kind of strange, but like as soon as I felt the sweat, I'm like, oh, this is about done now. And sure enough, when I felt the sweat, 
my vision was back to normal. I lifted my head up. Everything was, you know, felt better. I still felt shitty about busting from the main event. I felt especially crappy. The reaction I had afterwards, uh, an involuntary reaction, mind you. But um, I was able to then stand up and walk back to my room and everything was fine. Physically, that is. And then since then, you know, this has not recurred. And keep in mind, I've never had this before, ever, over any kind of um, emotional circumstance. When I say emotional circumstance, I've had this feeling before twice, but it was both when I had major injuries while I was skiing. And there was my body reacting to having major injuries where, where I actually had, uh, you know, bones broken. That, that makes sense. But here I like went into shock from something that was not physical. I never had that in poker or from anything in my life. Why it happened this time, I don't know. As I said, by far it was not my worst moment in poker. Very disappointing, but it was not even close to my worst moment in poker. Why this time, I don't know. I think it was a combination of all the work I did to survive. The ace four I didn't play. The king eight that I got the lucky break on. The folding the queens and the kings on day one. All the other things I did that prevented me from busting. And then all that was for nothing. I think it was that combined with the fact that I had to stick around when this whole thing happened and wait for the whole count out of my stack. Then have 1,500. Then have to watch that whole last hand play with 1,500. Like, I can't just get up and walk away in frustration. I have to stand there for a while. And I think that did it too. And I think I was doubting myself about the ace-king play at all. I was blaming myself for making the wrong play. Which, since then... Some people agree it was the wrong play. Some people think I made the right play. Some people don't know. But nobody thinks it's that horrible. It's kind of a mixture, but no one's saying, oh my god, that was terrible, you you screwed up big time. Like uh, Some people actually totally agree with it. Some people say, hey, I don't agree, but it's not awful. And like Nobody's saying it's a terrible play. And, and now that some days have passed, that's what I think. I think I would have done it differently, even not knowing the result. I think if I had it to do over again without knowing their cards again, I would do it differently, but uh, not by a lot. So, what about the future? What, what do I do next year? And, and Beer and Poker saying in the chat room, Druff makes it sound like he got crushed at the World Series this year, but he's still up because of his final table in an event he's good at. Well, um, I did win in this year's World Series. I, I I'm not going to take that away. I'm not going to claim it was a failure of a World Series. I won. You know, I I finished uh, with more money than when I started with, as did it, most people who invested in me. So, you know, I'm I'm not going to complain that I got a fifth place this year, even though I didn't cash in the main, even though I came close to cashing in the main. Um, even though I I could have done better than fifth in that event, uh, I'm not going to say this year was a failure. It wasn't. But, um, you know, do I come back next year? Not so much because of financial reasons. Like, I'm not worried next year I'm going to lose my shirt or that I can't afford to play. I- I'm worried that um, maybe emotionally I can't handle it anymore. Because I I was not going through day three thinking, oh my god, if I bust, it'll be awful. Oh my god, I better not bust. Oh, like I wasn't afraid of busting. That's actually why I made that play with the Ace-King, because I wasn't afraid of busting. 
I, I said, look, I'm not going to throw my chips away. I'm not, I, I want to get my money in good, but when I start getting short, I've got to gamble some. And, uh, and that's what I did. So I wasn't even that afraid of busting. And yet when I busted, I had like the worst reaction ever. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I started feeling like for my own health, maybe this is too stressful for me. Maybe I've gotten too old for this. I know there's players like Doyle, who are like twice my age, that are still playing. But every human being is different. I'm someone who admittedly gets emotional over these things. And, uh, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, I don't have the makeup to do this anymore at this age. I don't know. I just can't have this ha- happen to me again. And I can go in with a different attitude. I can go in with a, an attitude like convincing myself, hey, if you bust, no big deal. Hey, if you bust, that's part of the game. I can try to go in with that attitude, but that's the attitude I thought I had this time. So I don't know. I can't let this happen again. I really can't let this affect my health in any way. But on the other hand, uh, you know, ten and a half months from now, when it's time to make this decision again, whether I want to play the World Series, maybe I'll think differently. And I'm not saying I'm quitting. I'm saying that I'm reconsidering it. And I have a long time to think about it. So there's no point for a rash decision today. I don't have to say today, I'm going to play next year for sure. I don't have to say today, I'm not playing for sure. There's no point. No one's committing me to it now. So we'll see. I, I've even had suggestions, maybe you should play the preliminaries and just skip the main because the main is so long and so stressful. The other ones are, are only long if you make it really far. Like the uh, 5K limit was long. And that's actually long also if you don't cash, but not as long. But the 5K lim- limit was long, but I, uh, you know, I made fifth place. That's a different story. So people are saying, you know, maybe just stick to the limit events. Maybe just stick to some preliminaries and not, uh, not the main. I don't know. I'll see. But um, it gave me a lot to think about. I'm telling you, if I had a heart attack there, I would have felt like a fucking idiot. I really would have. Because, I mean, talk about dumb things to have a heart attack over. Thankfully, it was just a temporary... Uh, I don't know if it was shock or a panic attack, but whatever it was, uh, it's something I don't want to ever have again. So, um, I want to talk about something else at the main event, not related to me. The final table has been established, the uh, October 9, or now, it's, I guess the November 9. I, they always change this, I guess now it's the November 9. The nine people who move on to play in a few months for the final table for the 8.3 million prize. The nine who made it are Sylvain Loosely from France with almost 20 million, Michael Brumelhaus from Netherlands with 11 million, Ryan Reese from the United States with almost 26 million, Amir Lehavot from Israel, 29.7 million, a good Jew. Mark McLaughlin from Canada, 26.5 million. J.C. Tran, the chip leader, with 38 million. And by the way, J.C. Tran had many times fewer chips than I did just two hours before I busted. Can you believe that? Two hours before I busted, he had 12.5K. 12,500 he had. Two hours before I busted on day three. 
and he has 38 million even now. Chip leader. David Benefield, well-known online player, 6.375 million. Jay Farber, United States, 26 million. Last one with the second lowest stack, only ahead of Benefield, Mark Newhouse, 7.35 million. Well, Mark Newhouse is the one I'm going to focus on. Mark Newhouse has a very interesting history, both with this community and in general. In 2006, Mark Newhouse won the World Poker Tour Borgata for $1.6 million. He also had an existing bankroll of a few hundred K. He was a high limit player. He was a limit hold'em player. I got to know him just a few months before that at the at the Bellagio playing a 400, 800 limit with him. And, uh, you know, he was 21 years old. He knew who I was. I didn't know who he was. But um, seemed like a very nice kid. Seemed a little bit on the naive side. And um, I liked him. I thought he was a, a good guy. Well, then he won the World Poker Tour for $1.6 million. So his bankroll was probably up to about $2 million at that point. And uh, that's when things started to unravel. The worst thing he could have done was win that World Poker Tour. Because... Mark Newhouse was not ready for that, emotionally. He did not have the maturity yet to have a win like that, to have money like that all of a sudden. The vultures swooped in. And when I say the vultures, I mean the people in poker that he knew from commerce and elsewhere. There's a lot of scummy people in the poker world, as you guys all know. Especially in commerce for some reason. For some reason, commerce has like the worst of the worst. But a number of people who knew Mark, especially from commerce, took advantage of him. Male and female. I'm not going to name names here, but uh, people who pretended to be his friend to get his money. How'd they get his money? They, they would get him to loan money to them. They never paid him back. Uh, they would get him to stake them in crappy staking deals. Um, they would get him to make dumb prop bets where uh, they already knew they were going to win. He was just very naive. And uh, he wanted friends. And he's a very nice guy. But, uh, you know, everybody, or most people, you know, have a human need to be accepted and to make friends. And uh, he had all these people who were being really nice to him all of a sudden. And... Uh, he didn't have the life experience yet to tell them no. Or to say, okay, you know, I'll hang out with you. I'll be your friend. But no, I'm not staking you with this. No, I'm not loaning you this money. No, I'm not making this dumb prop bet with you. I'm not doing it. So as you can imagine, uh, his $2 million uh, vanished very, very quickly. Um, another thing he did, I remember, he played, uh, he played someone heads up, limit hold him on credit. He actually won that, so it didn't hurt him. But he actually played someone who was broke on credit, where they're basically free-rolling him. So there's many, many Mark Newhouse stories out there. Uh, there's a few bad stories about him, uh, multi-accounting stories and things like that, but uh, I'll tell you this. Um, much like the kid who falls into a bad crowd in high school and gets uh, talked into doing things that are, are not in his best interest, that's what happened to Newhouse. Now, I'm not saying that uh, he's not his own person, but... Uh, uh, some of the things he did were more of a result of his friends influencing him than uh, 
him doing it himself. And he's not a scammer. You know, he's made some mistakes, but uh, he's not a scammer. He wasn't a serial multi-accounter. You know, he did play someone heads up on stars one time under somebody else's account who otherwise wouldn't have given him action. Uh, But uh, let me tell you, from years of dealing with Mark Newhouse, he was never my close friend. So I'm not speaking glowingly about some friend of mine. He was never my friend. It's just someone I always got along with and always thought, this is a nice kid. A little bit too naive, a little bit too nice for the poker world. But um, a good guy. And uh, I always thought highly of him. I thought even more highly of him five years ago when I needed a favor done for me. I'm not going to go into the story. But I needed a favor done, and he did it for me. With nothing to gain from it. Absolutely nothing to gain. And he knew he had nothing to gain. And not only did he do the favor, but he went above and beyond, and when I needed an additional favor that kind of sprung from that one, he volunteered to do it without me even asking. So, um, and no, it didn't involve loaning me money or anything, but uh, it was a favor where basically it put him out for um, some trouble. It it was kind of a pain in the ass for him, especially after the way the whole thing played out, and he he happily did it because he was a nice guy. And we weren't close friends. I hadn't done any favors for him before, so he didn't owe me anything back. He just did it because he was nice. And uh, and I appreciated that, and I thought that spoke well for his character. Now, Mark Newhouse is going in with a fairly short stack. You know, J.C. Tran's got $38 million, and he's definitely a good player. Um, Newhouse coming in with $7.3 million, only ahead of Benefield, who has 6.3. So obviously the odds are stacked against Newhouse winning this, but uh, you know I hope he does. That's the guy I'm rooting for. I'm glad to see him at the final table. I know he's been uh, struggling to get back on his feet ever since uh, blowing all his money. And um, everyone's been rooting for him. Everyone wants to see Mark Newhouse get back on his feet. I'm sure he was staked in this. I'm not sure, but I think he was probably staked in this. But uh, I want to see him get back on his feet. I want to see him with his own money. And I think on this, I think this time around he'll be a lot more wise than when he was 21. I think he's like 28 now or so. And uh, I, I think he'll be more responsible with the money. You never know. Sometimes once a degenerate, always a degenerate. And he does have the gamble in him. He's definitely not a conservative uh, player either in uh, style or in uh, expenditures. But I, I hope he doesn't make the same mistakes as before. And I actually remember when he won the World Poker Tour, I kind of saw what was going to happen. And I almost called him up, even though we weren't that close. I almost called him up and said, hey, Mark, let me have a talk with you. But I didn't. I just kind of felt like it would be condescending. And like, I, I don't know. I, I didn't think he'd take it well, even though he probably would have. But I didn't call him and truthfully wouldn't have done any good. I don't think he would have given a shit. Or he would have said, yeah, you're right, and then, you know, done the wrong thing anyway. But I, I felt a little bit bad about that. Because I, I, I kind of wanted to. But anyway, he's been through it all now. I think he'll be a little bit more wise this time around. And uh, and I hope he is. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to call Mark Newhouse. I haven't talked to him in a while on the phone, so I can't be sure this is still his number. It's possible we'll get a disconnect or somebody else. If he answers, uh, we'll see if he wants to talk to us a little bit. If he uh, If he does, great. If he can't, then I understand. Um, as I said earlier in the show, he might be very busy. He might be partying tonight. He may not have the time to sit and talk to a radio show. I mean, I bet if uh, 
you know, ESPN called him or something, he'd take the time to talk. But obviously this show, um, something you're not going to stop everything for. But we'll see. We'll see if he answers. He won't know who the hell this is. He'll see like a weird caller ID of like 00001234567. So we're kind of surprising him here. Someone asking in chat if Newhouse switched hotel rooms at break. If he was staying at the Rio, it wouldn't surprise me. They're referring to the fact that I switched hotel rooms twice. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Nine? Yeah, I'm not going to put that number press. So I don't even know if that's his number anymore. Uh, anyway, I'll see if I can get him on next week. Or Actually, I won't get him on next week. I won't be on next week. But um, And he only finished with 77k on the first day Which was decent, but not great Better than me I had 54 Someone asking, do they allow cell phone use in the pit? <laughs> like he's in the pit right now Oh yeah, and the thing about the hotel rooms I really did switch hotel rooms twice On day two and day three That is, you know, once each day During the dinner break But I'll I'll tell you guys a secret I wasn't going to tell anyone this, but I'll tell you. I made it seem like I tilt-checked out of the Rio, and then I tilt-checked back into the Rio on both day two and day three. And it is true, I did switch hotels. But I didn't do it because I was on tilt. I did it because it was planned the whole way. Uh, I ran out of free nights there, basically. So uh, I Jewishly switched to a different hotel from a different company where I had two free nights. And the dinner break was the natural time to do it Because I have 90 minutes and I don't need that much time to eat by myself So that's why I switched rooms I didn't do it because of uh, Tilting over the hotel room situation (laughs) So I just wanted everyone to think I did Just for dramatic purposes Anyway, uh, I don't know if that's still his phone number I forgot when the last time was I spoke to him on the phone But uh, I'll try to get him on the show next week like with like a scheduled thing By then I think I'll have more time or no, Not next week but two weeks from now when I do the next show Next week there will be no show Next week uh, it has been long scheduled You know sometimes I just uh, have too many things to do In given weeks And I just can't find a single night When I can do it or In some cases uh, Benjamin's mother is unavailable She actually has a real job by the way Benjamin's mother actually has a real 9 to 5 job a good job And um she has to travel sometimes, so sometimes these things come together where I either just can't do it or his mom can't watch Benjamin and I have to watch Benjamin and obviously I can't watch him while doing the show. And Benjamin stays up late. Benjamin stays up till like ten thirty, so I can't even like put him down and then uh, do the show. Ben Ben goes to sleep later than his mom sometimes. So anyway, um, this is the last show till July 30th So we didn't reach Mark Newhouse But I'll try to get him on here And I have a, a very good relationship with him As I said, we're not close friends But, um, you know, whenever he sees me We uh, we exchange greetings, we talk for a bit And uh, we've always gotten along And um, I like him And I hope he wins Someone that I wouldn't have helped Would not have hoped won the event And didn't, but finished 62nd and Which is still too good for this guy uh, The... As I said, 62, 62nd place finisher Vladimir Geshkinbein scammed his backers, allegedly, 
but I, I think it's pretty clear he did. He even admitted he did. Uh, this is a pretty amazing story. Not so much that someone who got backed scammed his backers. I'm sure that happens all the time. But uh, the way it all went down, let me uh, tell you what happened here. Um, this guy is a pro for PKR Poker, PKR.com. Uh, I'm not sure what country he's from. You know, the, the last name kind of sounds German, but the first name sounds Russian, so I don't know. It's Vladimir Geshkinbein. And uh, he is known, his nickname in poker is Bine, B-E-Y-N-E. He had 27 events on his World Series of Poker schedule. He got $84,000 worth of stakes from people on PokerStrategy.com, on the forums over there. Um, He's playing 45 events total. 27 being World Series events, the other ones being uh, non-World Series events while in Vegas. Uh, He came there with a goal of cashing 500k total. Not necessarily to win bracelets, but just to win 500k total. So he wrote this little essay on uh, this little blog on PKR.com and uh, sold off $84,000 worth of himself, including 1.6 markup for the main event, which is crazy. I mean, I know this guy's a good player, but 1.6? That means you'd have to pay $160 for $100 worth of him at the main. So 1% of him is $160, which is crazy. That's just an incredible markup, because there's a lot of luck in the main event. There really is. And I, I don't think anybody's worth that kind of markup. Um... I didn't sell the main event, but I, if I sold it, I probably would have sold a 20% markup or something, which is pretty standard. And um, 60% markup? I mean, that's nuts. Anyway, a lot of people snapped it up. But that's not what I'm talking about here. That's, that's not why I'm uh, featuring him in this segment. Because, you know, people want to pay that much. Uh, they know what they're paying for. Fine. It's not a scam. Now, this guy already had a a shady history to him. He got banned from Chili Poker in 2008 for multi-accounting. And he seemed to have a very cavalier attitude about it, too. It wasn't even like, oh, yeah, I screwed up. I was dumb. I multi-accounted. He made a post on 2 Plus 2 that he got banned from there. And people are like, okay, so why'd you get banned? And he's like, well, the whole story, uh, I won five sit-and-goes in a row. If you win six, you get 60K. It must have been some promotion they had there. So I shipped the buy-in to a friend of mine, and he helped me out in the last one. I even managed it to win. I know this is very bad and evil, etc. Whatever. So, I mean, he multi-accounted in order to uh, try to win a promotion there five years ago and got banned forever from Chili Poker. So as you can tell, this is not exactly uh, an honest guy. Obviously, there's much worse things you can do than multi-account, but Already, that's a, a bad sign. Now, some people brought this up on Poker Strategy when he started his staking thread there. And um, you know, it's kind of like on this site, you know, when Jacep was running his stupid BAP and uh, some people were questioning things about him and uh, Jacep was trying to demand I delete the posts that were questioning him and I let them stand. I'm like, look, these are good questions people are asking. Um, on Poker Strategy, they actually did delete anything that was questioning him. People are questioning that he's broke right now. You know, why are you staking him so much? Uh, you know, they brought up the thing that happened five years ago. They, they actually deleted those posts over there warning people about him and called them trolling. 
Good job, poker strategy. So what happened? Uh, he started off well. Not super well, but well. In the first two events he played, on May 31st, June 1st, whatever, um, he uh, he cashed right away, both of them, for about uh, 17k total, so he was already up about 14.5k. Good start. But then he uh, he was bricking events, wasn't cashing in anything, and he was losing in other things. And he took some of the stake money and paid back people from previous debts he had. He was already in debt coming into this, so he, he paid off people he owed money to with stake money, just assuming he'd keep winning at the World Series. Well, then came July 4th, four days before he was planning to play the main event on July 8th, and he came forward and admitted he was broke, and had chunked off all the money, that include both the buy-ins and the winnings, and that he no longer had the money to even enter the World Series of Poker main event, even though people had bought the main event from him at 60% markup. So people had already bought him into it, gave him the money for it, and he had lost the money on other things. So he came forward and admitted that uh, it was gone, and said he'd be unable to afford to play the main event. Well, then a separate backer came forward and offered him a one-time deal, which he accepted, and this was to stake him. Now, obviously, the backer's not going to stake him and then let the original stakers get the money, otherwise that backer would be wasting his money. So that separate backer said, look, you know, you've got to pay me first. And uh, and then from whatever you end up keeping after that, whatever's left over, then you can pay those other stakers. But you're paying me first, and that's what you got to agree to if you're going to play the main. And I guess this is some friend of his, so he did, and the person trusted him. Well, as far as I know, that person didn't get screwed. They might have, but I didn't hear that they did. I don't know who, who, who backed him, but someone backed him. He entered the main. The person who backed him was not one of the original stakers for the 84K. And the 84K was for all the action for the World Series and, and for other tournaments during the World Series, not just for the main. Anyway, lo and behold, he started to do well in the main event. And he got deeper and deeper, and then the stakers were getting really pissed because these original stakers who had pieces of him no longer had a piece for, of him. And he wasn't even clear about what he would pay them if he, if he got really deep and cash big. So uh, finally, after a lot of outrage from his original stakers, they finally reached him, and um, they actually gave him a very generous offer. Uh, originally, the offer would be, look, um, how about if you make the, ma- the final table that you uh, restore our pieces? Other than that, you know, we'll just take a loss here. This is when he's getting very deep. Well, amazingly, he actually refused this. He actually said, no, you're, you're, you can't have a piece of me. You know, by the time I pay my, my original backer, and if I pay all of you what I agreed to pay you in the first place, I'll have nothing left, so tough luck. You're, you're not getting a piece of me at the final table. This is the best I'll do for you, he said. He made this ridiculous offer saying that if I make the top 27... I'll give everyone back their money because no one had gotten any money back, even though he'd cashed in those original events. You know, like when I cashed in the early events here, like like the Millionaire Maker, and then I sent people money immediately. Uh, he didn't do that. He sent no one anything. So at this point, no one had a dime back from him, and he they had sent him eighty four k. So basically, he said, if I make the top twenty seven, once once there's only twenty seven left, and I'm one of them, I will send everyone back whatever they bought in me, whatever they bought in for me. Basically, $840 per percentage bought. 
um, you'll just get back what you what you bought in for. You won't make any money. You'll break even, but at least you won't lose. But then he told them it doesn't matter what happens after that, though. If he if he wins the whole event, they don't get anything still. They just get their original money back. If he makes the top twenty-seven, then that then that's it. And if somehow he doesn't make the top twenty-seven, he offered that he'd pay them six hundred thirty-seven dollars per percentage. Otherwise, meaning they're still going to lose um, about twenty-five percent of uh, what they originally bought in bought in for. Regardless, again, of how well he does or what he cashes, that they'll still lose twenty-five percent on their money, which is ridiculous. You know, if a guy, if a guy makes money overall in the World Series and you end up losing when you've bought bought a piece of him the whole way through. So he's saying, if I don't make the top 27, you get uh, you lose about 25%. If I do make the top 27, you just get your money back. That, that's my deal for you guys, my original stakers. I mean, can you believe that? They make no money. He could win the event, and these people will get nothing other than their original uh, backing back from him? They break even if he wins? <laughs> can you imagine this guy gets like $8.3 million and, and he just gives them back what they bought in for? How insulting that would be? But that's what he was proposing. So, um, finally, after a lot of discussion back and forth, this this asshole agreed to the final table thing, but said, I'm only going to agree to it if everybody who, who bought a piece of me, and this is a lot of people you know, that are combined for this 84,000, if everybody together agrees to it. Otherwise, if we even have one dissenter, forget it, because I don't want anyone claiming I cheated them. So they all didn't agree. Some of them said this is ridiculous that we get nothing unless he makes a final table. So some couldn't agree to this. And then he said, you know what? Screw you guys. Screw you. I'm, I'm gone. I, I want nothing more to say to you guys. I, I gave you my offer. Um, I, I agree to the final table thing. You all can't agree to it. F you. Goodbye. And stop talking to people. So everyone thought, okay, well, since he walked away at this point, at least I, at least I guess that means... He's going to keep to what he promised us originally. Not originally, but you know, the last promise he made was that uh, if he makes tw- the top 27, he'll give them back their money. If he makes less than the top 27, he'll pay them back uh, basically what they bought in for, minus 25% or so. 637 per percentage. Well, he ended up finishing in 62nd place, which got him, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, seventy or 80,000, something like that. I didn't bother to look what it pays you. Probably like 80,000, 90,000. Um, nobody got paid anything. Maybe his his main event backer did, but everybody else got nothing, absolutely nothing from him. So um, I assume he paid his backer and walked away with the rest. And the people who bought the eighty four k worth of him got zero. Now here was his post on July eighth, just before he played the main, and uh, explaining what happened. And this was translated by some translation program, so. Uh, It'll sound like broken English because it was from a translation program from whatever language it was in. Hello. Bad news. Very, very bad news. Shortly, I will tonight slash tomorrow to post more details. I have no more, no more money. Broke. Zero. Today is the final day of the main event, and I have $500 to my name. So he's saying, yeah, he has 500 bucks. That's it. That's, that's his whole bankroll is 500 bucks, and uh, today's the day of the main. How could this happen? I have made mistakes. I was broke and in debt at all before I came to Vegas. Uh, I lost lots of money, money that is owed to me, uh, and was assured to me about 25k US dollars total. 
I've received to date 500. So he's basically saying people owed him a lot of money and didn't pay him, so now he's really screwed. Which I don't believe, by the way. I mean, may, that may be part of it, but that's not uh, definitely not the story. Uh, he, he went. Introdu- sorry about that. I almost played our commercial. <laughs> That'll come shortly. Um, I had to rely on it to get at least a large part of it to, to the end of Vegas, but there's been nothing so far. Again, referring to the money that was owed to him. After I cashed the first three events in a row, I have begun to pay off the part of the debt, first mistake. So he's saying that he was already paying people he owed money to after he cashed, which is a mistake. I then started the Megasoft 500 main event satellites to grind, and there was unfortunately nothing won. Have thereby lost several Ks, second error. So he's saying that he then blew money trying to satellite into the main, which I assume he was doing because he didn't have the 10K to enter the main anymore. He only had like a few thousand. Figured his only chance is to satellite in and couldn't. Later, I played a few cash games and since lost. Third mistake. My money management stinks. I am not able to manage money. I have decided this year to change a very serious thing. No gambling, sports, good food, etc. If I succeeded, I have not once gambled at a casino, etc. But, but he was saying like if he succeeded in in, uh, in this whole staking thing that he would have changed a lot about his life, but it was too late. He's already fucked up and is now broke. And, and, but unfortunately, it has brought me nothing. I, I, I'm... In the last, uh, I'm the last twenty to thirty tournaments practically bricking. He's he's saying that after the first few that he is bricked and that's it. I myself and you, I I put myself and you in a very shitty situation, which I am very sorry. I have my best game technically, but money management is and remains my biggest leak. I am apparently not capable. I tried to play the main event to everything yet, but in a position where I'm not willing to give me money. I have found a good friend who has bought me into the main event. Unfortunately, this is the only possibility that remains to me. He's trying to say that if anyone wants their money back, this is the only chance to get someone else to buy him in. The other option is to pack your bags and fly off to go get a job and start to slowly repay the money back, which I'll probably either have to do so. In any case, I remain in my current position, no other choice. And believe me, I've tried everything the last few days, so it's not as far as the main event, and cancel the charge for refunds. So he's trying to say, I I have to just... You know, kill the main event. I had to kill my deal with you guys and uh, play on this guy's terms. I will play the main event, but unfortunately I have to cancel the whole action. Otherwise, I have no chance to play the event. So that was right before he agreed to, you know, later on when he ran deeper that uh, to this thing about paying people a minimum of 635 per share um, from where he was at that point, where he was already guaranteed to cash some good money. But he didn't pay anyone. So, uh, that's that. So you got to be careful when you stake people. Got to be careful. because As we saw on this site with JSIP, you never know if they're going to really pay you when they win. This guy finishes 62nd in the main, cashes 17K and other events, and, and nobody gets their money. The only one who apparently got their money was the uh, the second backer, the new backer, the backer that shouldn't have had to even back. So, pretty, pretty bad. And, uh, feel bad for anybody who, uh, who backed this guy. And imagine, like, imagine the nerve. I mean, it's one thing to just run off with the money, which is, of course, stealing and very crappy. But can you imagine the nerve? When he's down to like the final hundred or whatever and saying, hey, if I win, you're still getting nothing. 
At best, you're going to get a refund? As if you never backed me? That's the best you can hope for is to break even, even if I win the thing? Can you imagine the nerve? At least say something like, hey, if I win it or if I win first in the first few spots, you know, I'll, I'll honor uh, this much for everybody. Nothing. They had to twist his arm to agree to give people pieces if, if they hit the final table. Unbelievable. So this guy was really a piece of garbage from what I can tell. So always be careful who you're backing, especially if it's someone on a forum you don't know very well. Except me, though. You can back me. I've paid most people. I haven't paid the biggest backer yet, though. See money I still owe. But I'm going to send a check out to him this week. Um, now, I'm going to get to the last World Series story of an old man trying to dump chips to Doc Sands, even though Doc Sands didn't really want them and felt bad about it. But I'm going to play our Stat Clash ad. The reason I'm playing it right now is, number one, I think they deserve to have their ad played at this point because the show's been going on for about an hour and a half. And uh, the second reason is I have to go to the bathroom really badly. So I'm putting it on loop. It's a 40-second ad. And uh, if it takes me more than uh, 40 seconds to uh, relieve myself in the bathroom, you'll hear it. You guys don't know how hard it can be to do this show with no host for hours, then you have to pee. So, um, we're back on the air here. How, how long in the chat, how long were we off? People are saying, great commercial, best sponsor ever. I assume it was probably off the air. All right, so, um, Four or five minutes. That's not good. Well, you guys obviously heard me talking about the ad, so you know I was playing it. It couldn't have been that long. Um, the ad didn't play at all. Yeah, I'm, okay, I have to play the ad, guys. They're trying to trick me in the chat room. They, they so badly don't want to hear advertising that they're trying to convince me that the ad played <laughs> So <laughs> while I was peeing. I, I think I, I actually kick the cord out because um, I, I don't have it on wireless internet here when I do the show because I've noticed the wireless internet isn't reliable enough and it was causing some of the fail before we were having. So I think I kicked the wire when I tried to run to go to the bathroom. I know a very professional operation we have here. So uh, okay, here's the ad now and I'm only going to play it once. Introducing StatClash.com, the newest daily fantasy sports site on the web. StatClash has got the most sports online, including football, basketball, baseball, hockey, and even soccer. Playing StatClash is easy. Join a contest, then pick real-life players for your fantasy team. StatClash offers all the fun of traditional fantasy sports without the season-long commitment. With detailed player stats, head-to-head play, and real-time scoring, you'll always be on top of the action. Play, win, and get paid. Invite your friends or play against users from around the globe. With free rolls, bonuses, and so many sports to choose from, getting started is easy at StackClash.com. StackClash.com. Introducing StackClash.com. Anyway, um, that's their ad. And really, you know, go sign up at StackClash. Whether you liked or disliked that particular ad, um, definitely go sign up with the site. Looks like a good site and uh, totally legal. Totally legal fantasy sports. You can play for money. So if you think you're good at fantasy sports, go play. And uh, and they pay you quickly. None of this like five months waiting to get paid like on Lock Poker. 
So um, we will have them on sometime in the next few weeks. And if you like this show, if you're a regular listener, regular reader of the forum, please uh, give them a try. And no, I'm not going to tell you guys how much they're paying me. All I'm going to say is it's not an affiliate program. So you don't even have to click my banners because I don't get anything per sign up. I just want them to know people are signing up from here and playing on there. People are asking, uh, am I going to put a donate button on this site? No. That's what uh, contributed to the downfall of the last site I was part of. Anyway, um, let's go on with the show. Going to go to a, I'm going to talk about the last World Series topic, and then we're going to go to some lighter content for those of you that miss Colonel Fabersham. So this is interesting. Um, Doc Sands, David Sands, who's a high-limit player and uh, a pretty well-known guy at this point, he got crippled in the 2013 main event by uh, a really weird situation. Um, So an older guy was playing at the main event and uh, actually has his suitcases there with him next to his chair. And he's packed and leaving to go home the next day. And um, it seems kind of strange that anyone would even continue playing at that point. The reason this guy had to go home is his father died. So I guess this is an older guy who had a really old father who died. And it makes sense that you can't just say, okay, well, Dad, I'm not coming to your funeral uh, you have to wait till I'm done with the main event. So it makes sense, even for a 10K buy-in, that uh, you're just going to pack up and leave at that point. And, you know, there goes the 10K. I have to say that, um, you know, if, if I was playing the main event and had to deal with the uh, tragic situation of one of my parents passing on, I, I would get up and leave as well. But this is the weird part. I, I wouldn't finish day one because it would be meaningless. It wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if I finished the chip leader. You know, I would still blind out and not even cash. So... At that point, you might as well just hop on the plane immediately. Well, for some reason, this guy didn't. And that's the strange part. Uh, So he got to know Doc Sands at the table. And um, this was reported by someone who was at the table also. And and basically, so this old man is, is playing through the end of day one and then leaving and not coming back. So after he struck up this friendship with Doc Sands, um, he's saying to Doc Sands, hey, you know, I still have chips here. I wish I could just give them to you. And Doc's like, oh, yeah, that's very nice of you. Yeah, thanks. And um, then Doc Sands like, hey, look, if I cash in this, I feel so bad for you that you have to just get up and leave here. And you seem like such a nice guy. I'm just going to give you a 1% free roll. So whatever I cash in here, I'm going to give you 1%. Just for nothing. You don't have to do anything for me. I'm just giving you 1% because you're a nice guy and uh, I feel bad for you what happened to you and your father and all that. So the man was very touched by this. And it was very nice of Doc Sands to offer that. Um, then this other guy, the one who reported this, he claimed his name was uh, Barth Melius, said that he also offered 1% but claimed he would give it to a charity of the old man's choice rather than directly to the old man. So the second-to-last hand of the night was then dealt. 
and um, it was the old man in the hand, and Doc Sands was um, thinking about it and called. So the old man raised and Doc Sands called. Now at this point, there had not been any discussion about chip dumping or anything else like that. So they were heads up, Doc Sands and this older guy, on a rainbow king-queen-jack flop. And the old man tossed out a bet. And uh, before Doc Sands could even call or decide what to do, um, or sorry, so I guess, I guess Doc called. And then right after he called, the old man says to Doc, all you have to do is raise when I bet on the turn. And if you raise, I'm going to fold. So he's basically just telling him what to do to get his chips, which is totally against the rules. It's collusion, big time. Now, Doc Sands, wasn't, he wasn't trying to collude, but the old man was uh, kind of forcing him to. The old man saying, okay, I'm going to bet on the turn. If you raise, I'm folding. So, like, what do you do there? Let, let's say, uh, you know, let's say you, you happen to flop the nuts. I'm not saying uh, Doc Sands did. I'm saying, you know, let's say you, you happen to flop the nuts. And someone says, if you raise the turn, I'm folding. Or let's say, not the nuts, let's just, you said uh, you have top pair. And someone tells you and, you, and you believe them, if you raise, I'm folding. Do you not raise if you were planning to raise anyway? I mean, that's, it's a very bad position you're in at that point. You look like you're colluding even if you're playing your normal game. So the, the turn was some brick, some low card or something. And the old man tossed out a bet. And um, he, he bet about 8K with about 18K more behind. And Doc Sands wasn't sure what he was going to do. And uh, finally, the old man just picked up his cards and showed them to, like, half the table. He had 5-3 for 5 high. No draw, just 5 high. King, queen, jack, some other card, 5 high, no draw. About the worst possible you can have. Doc Sands saw it. So what do you do if you're Doc Sands? You, you see your opponent has 5 high. He shows it to you. He's bet 8K into you. He has 18 behind. Um, you know, obviously proper strategy is to raise him, but you know he's dumping his chips to you. So what do you do? I mean, you're, you're obviously not going to fold. But then, you know, you know if you just call, he's going to go all in on the, on the river, and then you've got to call him knowing he has five high. So what do you do at this point? You know what the guy has. You know he's trying to dump chips to you, but you know you have the best hand. It's a really weird spot. So um, Doc Sands tried to play it ethically and saying, he said, I just want to let you know before I act, I saw your hand. So the dealer figured out what was going on. The old man tried to dump chips to him and uh, called the floor over, explained the whole thing to the floor. But the floor said, hey, it's a heads up pot. The action has to stand. And after they walked away, finally Doc said, well, all right. If, if I have to act on this, fine. I'm all in. The man snap called the all in. Didn't really keep to what he said. If you raise, I fold. But I guess he felt that that's the real way to dump his chips with five high. Doc Sands tabled ace seven offsuit for ace high versus five high for the old man. Well, believe it or not, you know, the old man actually had a, some outs. He actually had six outs because uh, any pair wins for him. Since Doc didn't have a pair either. 
And of course, what do you think hits the river? A five. <laughs> so, so Doc Sands got crippled down to like 3,000 in ships. The old man started apologizing over and over, saying he didn't want that to happen. So, uh, the last hand was dealt out, completed. I don't think the old man played it. And, um, I guess the old man technically bagged up chips, but they never got played. Must have blinded out the next day. That's a really weird situation. If you're sitting in Doc Sand's spot, what do you do? Now, you can say that, um, you can just fold. And just say, look, I'm not accepting these chips. But on the other hand, you've already called a pre-flop raise with a legitimate calling hand of A7. You've flopped a gut shot draw and called a flop bet, which is a legitimate thing to do. Now, obviously, a large bet on the turn, you'd be a fool to call with ace high in that spot. But uh, if somehow your opponent gives away he has five high, even if he intentionally does so, from a poker standpoint, the proper thing to do is to call. Or to put them all in, actually. You know, Doc Sands played correct poker there, given the information that he that was provided to him. But is he ethically obligated to the other players at the table and to the other players in the tournament to just fold and let the old man take it? Even knowing the old man has 5-5, five, five, because he knows the old man is trying to give him his chips, and because he's already given the old man 1% of himself. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to blame Doc Sands for putting them all in because, you know, he just, uh, it's not like the old man said, all right, next hand, if I have a better hand than you, I'm going to raise my left hand. If you have, if I have a crappy hand, I'm going to raise my right hand and you'll know what to do. It wasn't premeditated. And, um, you know, Doc Sands was just given too much information by someone who intentionally wanted him to win. Obviously, you can uh, disqualify the old man, but he didn't care. He's disqualifying himself. Doc Sands was trying to not cooperate with this as much as he could, but uh, other than folding and letting the guy win. I see why he didn't fold, because think about it. If he folds and this guy keeps Doc Sands' chips that had been won so far, those chips get won by other players the next day. So Doc Sands can say, that's not fair. Why should the guy with five high get to keep these in his stack, and even if he doesn't return, other players will get them? So, um, I would think the most ethical way to handle this would be to uh, kind of back out the entire hand and, um, as if it never happened, declare a misdeal on the whole thing, return everybody their chips, and disqualify the old man right there. And just take his chips out of play. That would be the most fair way to do it, but the floor man wouldn't let that happen. But that would be the most fair way to handle it. Because let's say you could see into the future that the old man was going to do this, you would disqualify him before that hand took place. So what you should do is go back in time, and since it's a very clear case of chip dumping, even though it's a one-way chip dump, where the other party doesn't necessarily want that to happen, um, disqualify him and just kill that whole hand. That's what I think should have been done. But since the floor did not rule that way, I, I don't blame Doc Sands for calling it off. You know, that was really his only choice at that point. Aside from uh, letting those chips become the ill-gotten gain from someone else the next day. So I don't really blame him there. Really weird spot. I don't think you'll ever see that again. And I still don't know why the old man continued to play rather than just 
leave immediately upon hearing about his father? Why play in a pointless spot where you cannot return and you cannot cash? Maybe he was delusional enough to think if he got a big enough stack that uh, it could blind out to a, a min cash, but I don't know. I, I would just leave. I mean, how can you even sit there and play at that point? You got to call your father's dead. How can you continue to sit there and play? Unless you've decided just to play through it and try to do your best anyway. Win one for your father or whatever. But um, if you know you're leaving to go back, just leave. Just say it sucks. It sucks I'm wasting ten grand here, but nothing I can do. Sometimes these things happen. So, uh, on a lighter note here, um, I mean, this is not a light story, but um, it's something we're going to try to make some uh, a lighthearted segment out of. In Atlantic City, there's a casino called the Revelle, and uh, they did something pretty bad recently. And Colonel Fabersham is going to get to the bottom of this. Um, the Revelle Casino, as I was saying earlier in the show, is offering an 100K, or they were offering, a 100K rebate of slot losses through free play. Um, now, you, weren't, you wouldn't get it all at once. The way it would be is uh, during the month of July, um, Actually, I, I think they may even still be offering it. Well, we'll find out when we call there. But anyway, during the month of July, you could play and lose up to 100K, and then they would give you it back in free play for the next 20 weeks, starting in August, at 5% per week. So if you lost 100K, you would get $5,000 in free play per week for 20 straight weeks at the Revell, which is a pretty good, da- damn good deal. Now, it's not a, a full free roll, because once you get to the point where you have to run the free play, you're negative EV to get that much back. So if you lose 100K and then they give you 100K in free play, you're probably not going to finish with 100K. But the big edge here is that you get to play that 100K and maybe win. You get 100K to, uh, of, of slot play to run through. Uh, you could easily end up winning and just walk away a winner and never have to use that rebate. So the rebate's like a safety net. And, uh, and, and of course, if you lose 100K and then you get 100K in free play, you could easily cycle that through to where you lose some, but not very much. So you're really like taking a 100K shot at them and guaranteed to get most of it back by cycling it back through. So um, on their website, as of July 9th, when this was posted about on uh, Poker Fraud Alert, it said, uh, see Revell card desk for details. Must be 21 or older. Revell card required. Min- minimum loss of 100 by July 31st. Loss refunds are capped at 100K. Only slot, video poker, and electronic table gameplay is eligible. That means you can't go to like a regular blackjack table. You can only play on like the... the uh, anything that's a machine you have to play, basically. Losses are refunded over 20 weeks beginning August 5th, 2013 in the form of free slot play. So they, they presumably offered this to try to gain some market share among the slot players and video poker players in Atlantic City, but didn't understand how this promotion could slam them hard. While it's not a complete free roll, it is a uh, a big edge to high-limit players who want to take a shot at this. 
you're not guaranteed losses, but um, on average you can play through and get uh, 95% back or so. So you're basically um, getting a 100k shot to win, and then you would only have to pay about 5k on average through the playthrough if you lose. So it's like 100 for 5. That's a pretty damn good deal. I would have done it if I was in AC. I, I wouldn't have done it if it was legit. I, st- I wouldn't have done it not being in Atlantic City because I couldn't go to Atlantic City for 20 straight weeks. I, I'm just not close enough to there. I'm across the country. But uh, if I was in the area, or if they ran something like this in Vegas, believe me, I would do this. Well, I'm glad I didn't. Now, Ravel was afraid that people would take advantage of this through video poker, where if you play perfectly, uh, there can be just about no house edge, or very small house edge. So they had a, a bank of $25 per credit jacks or better poker machines, and they removed those just before it started. But that's fine. You know, I, I can understand why the, you know, they took that precaution. But more than 40 players showed up and did this. Played through in July, which of course July is only half over, but it, but in the first nine days of July, had already accumulated 10k of losses or more. Because basically, what people are trying to do there is play very high limit machines and uh, and hit something huge. Once you've hit a huge, uh, you know, huge slot payout, huge video poker payout, like a Royal Flush, uh, then you you don't even need the refund. So you're basically taking a free shot at hitting something huge of 100k worth of of coin in. Or not coin in, of losses, much more than coin in. So, um, for very cheap, for, for 5k. I mean, this is a great deal. Well, finally Ravel realized what type of mistake they made, but instead of just eating it, or instead of just ending their promotion right there, and letting whoever had started it be grandfathered in, I could see why they wouldn't let anyone new do it once they realized their mistake. But instead... They banned people. They kicked them out, saying that you are an advantage player. And that they were banned with no other reason other than booking heavy action on their slots. Now, you can't get fully banned from Atlantic City uh, casinos. That's a New Jersey law. You can't actually ban them from the property. You can't ban people from playing. There was a landmark case in the 80s about that related to blackjack. So when I say banned, they had their players card banned, which is that that's actually something they can do. So they couldn't access their comp dollars or promos, which was uh, this. So basically they weren't banned from the casino or banned from playing, but they were banned out of this promotion. And even worse, there was someone who was staying there on comp rooms using um, points that they had earned from the play here. You know, they, they earned comps as they play video poker or slots or whatever. So he was staying in comp rooms and, uh, and, and eating comp food there with the comps he legitimately earned. Well, because his player's card had been banned, he no longer could use those points to pay. So then they just charged his credit card. You had to put down a credit card when you check in, just for incidentals or whatever. <laughs> things you can't, you know, like tips or whatever, things you can't pay for in your, your player's club card. Well, since his card was banned, they said, all right, well, you agreed to pay on your credit card, so they charged his credit card. So, really, really sickening what they did there. A number of people lost in the five figures, but figured, hey, I'm getting it back on free play. Now they're not. 
I don't even know if this is legal to offer a promotion like this and then pull it after the players had put in a lot of action with the assumption of a loss rebate. I would definitely be suing them. I hope there's a class action suit coming, and I hope they get slammed big time. This is so unethical, and I hope nobody here ever gives business to the Revell ever. Not just because you can get screwed too in some way, but just because they don't deserve your business after doing this to people. Now, some of you might say, well, the Revell, uh, they were within their rights. These players are taking advantage of them. No. They offered something, and players took it. These players were not playing a secret machine that has some kind of bug in it or anything. These players were playing exactly under the terms of the promotion. In fact, the Revell knew so well that their promotion was of good value that they removed the highest value video poker machines. They just realized that they made a mistake and that they left themselves vulnerable to losing. And you know how casinos hate losing. So they just said, screw everyone. You're not getting your losses back. You're not getting your free play. You're not getting what we promised to you. So I think, at the very least, this is deserving of a Colonel Nigel Fabersham prank call. The Colonel has been uh, on vacation for a while. He hasn't been uh, on this show in a while. But uh, he's going to call up here. And we're going to see who we can reach. We're going to try to reach someone in the Players Club. If not, we'll try to reach a host. Now, unfortunately, of course, the Colonel uh, does not have a Players Club card. So that might create a complication if they demand his player card number. But, you know, he'll try to dodge that and make this last as long as possible. Welcome to Revel. Your call may be oh, Revel. I'm sorry. Quality I said it wrong. Insurance. Sorry, Revel. At Revel in July, you simply can't lose. We're offering two exciting gaming promotions. First, we'll be matching all Atlantic City competitors' free slot play offers. If that's not enough, we're refunding all slot losses in the month of July. To hear more about these two great slot promotions, touch one. For the main menu. Wow, so they're still advertising it. I didn't even know that. At Revel in July, you can't lose. We are excited to share that all July long, we will be keeping track of your slot, video poker, and electronic table games losses, and will refund 100% of those losses. In order to be eligible, you must register your play on your Revel card, and you must lose a minimum of $100. Then in the first week of August, you will receive 20 free slot play vouchers, refunding your losses in the month of July. You must return all 20 weeks in order to take full advantage of the refunded slot play. Additionally, if you have a free slot play direct mail offer from any other Atlantic City casino, we want to honor it for you. Simply bring the postcard in during the valid dates and we'll match it for you. There is a limit of one offer per valid Revel card per day, and there is a limit of $500 per matched offer. However, if you bring in multiple offers on different dates, we will honor all of them. Until we ban Each you. time you match an offer, it is valid for that gaming day from 6 o'clock in the morning until 5.59 the following morning. With offers this good, why would you gamble anywhere else? Because you cheat us? If you would like to hear this message again, please touch 1. If you would like to speak with touch a representative one. in regards to these two great promotions, please touch 2. I'm going to touch for the main. Please remain on the line for the next available guest care representative. Your anticipated wait time is two minutes. If you would rather have us call you back, please touch one. Thank you for calling Revel. This July, you can't lose. We're refunding all your July slot losses. Plus, we'll match all your valid slot offers. Please enter the 10-digit number you would like. I'll have to call the Mount Charleston line. 702-430-1808. By the way, I didn't give this number out. I totally forgot. The number you numbers. entered is... Seven zero two 
four three zero one eight zero eight. If this is correct, touch one. If this is a representative, will call you back shortly. Thank you. If you like my voice, touch yourself. Yeah. So um, they're gonna call me in two minutes. I can't believe they're still advertising this after this debacle. This is worse than I thought. I mean, I thought this was just like some week old report. <laughs> they're actually uh, still advertising this. Like, like it's just you can't lose. They say. Boy, that that really uh, that's really brazen what they're doing. Stealing from people, not honoring their promotions, and still pushing the promotion. After they realize they screwed up by offering the promotion. Yeah, you can be refunded your slot play up to 100k if we don't think that you are a good player. If we think you're a donkey who's going to lose it all back, fine. If we think you're a good video poker player, nope. We let you do it on video poker, but if, if we think you're too good, you don't get it. We're not going to tell you that until you've lost your money. And we're going to take away your card and your comps don't even work, but you can't lose. I don't know if they're going to call me back. I, I don't. I don't feel good. They're going to call me back. I'll, I'll give it its two minutes, though. Anyway, after uh, Colonel Fabersham talks to them, um, he will be making it. We'll be making another call. That'll be to the LVH. Uh, while I'm waiting for the call to come in, let me talk a little bit about uh, what the LVH is doing. We're getting. Not that far away from the end of the show, which is at 10. It's 9.22 already. Um, Bonnie Lanehos, who was a figure in the UB scandal. Here is a description of Bonnie Lanehos from the Wicked Chops Poker article from 2010. I think this uh, says it pretty well. Bonnie Lanehos is old-school Vegas. She's been around the gaming scene for years. By the way, she just got hired. That's what this is about. At the LVH is their poker room manager. At one point during poker's early boom, she was the tournament director for the Four Queens Poker Classic event. She knew Russ for a while. That's Russ Hamilton, the main UB cheater. And they were still they were and still are tight. Bonnie even was tournament director for UB's Aruba Poker Classic before she was allegedly let go for pocketing tournament chips? I played that event. I wonder if it was the year I was playing. Pocketing tournament chips. That's really bad. Probably giving them to her friends. While Bonnie may not have opened accounts for Russ, it turns out she was very closely tied to one important aspect of the scandal. Bonnie was listed as Director of Tour Operations and Affiliates for the Ultimate Blackjack Tour, or UBT, another Russ Hamilton business endeavor. The September 2009 KGC report stated that the commission found clear and convincing evidence to support the conclusion that between the approximate dates of May 2004 and January 2008, Russell Hamilton, an individual associated with Ultimate Bet's affiliate program, was the main person responsible for and benefiting from the multiple cheating incidents. More clearly put, UBT had an affiliate relationship with Ultimate Bet before the scandal. Bonnie Lanehouse was... UBT's affiliate manager, money was moved from cheating accounts to UBT's affiliate. So basically, whenever Russ Hamilton cheated people, he shipped it over to this uh, UBT affiliate account. 
And what they wrote on Wicked Chops was, if she didn't know where all this money was coming from, she should have known. So this is a long-time, very close friend of Russ Hamilton's who sees just untold money coming into the UBT affiliate account. Way more than should have. Do you think she didn't know? Do you think she didn't question it? She obviously knew. Can't totally 100% prove that she knew, but boy, it looks like she knew. How could the UBT affiliate manager not know with that type of money coming in from these UB accounts? Well, somehow, and she's still friends with Russ, like at least as of the time of that article in 2010, which is two years after the whole thing came out, she stayed close with Russ. She didn't say, oh my God, Russ, look what you set me up for. How could you have done this? Russ, I, I, I can never forgive you. Russ, you ruined my good name. No, they, they were good friends still. So, what do you think? you think she's guilty? I totally think she's guilty. Everybody totally thinks she's guilty. Well, somehow the LVH, despite so many people, so many good people in Las Vegas looking for jobs in poker, I know a lot of people in Vegas who would love to have the job managing the LVH poker room. Now, it's not a huge poker room. It's not like managing the Bellagio or Aria poker room, but it's, it's a poker room. It's a Vegas poker room. I know a lot of good, honest people who would love that job. Why would you ever hire Bonnie Laneho? It's not even like you're hiring someone with a, a, a big name that also has some baggage. She, nobody knows who Bonnie is except for people who know she was a cheater. So why would you ever hire Bonnie? Like, what, what upside is there to hiring Bonnie aside from her having experience running tournaments and poker rooms. And apparently, uh, according to what happened uh, you know, at, at the UB uh, Aruba Poker Classic with the uh, chip pocketing, too much experience. Or experience in all the wrong areas. Why would they ever hire someone like that? I, I don't know. Why would you ever say, yeah, this is the best person we can find? You know, there's a lot of people with, uh, with no bad histories, a lot of people with totally clean histories who would do a great job running a small poker room. But no, we're going to hire the person who was a, a UB cheater and close friend of Russ Hamilton. That, that'll go well for our small poker room. That's not going to cause us any trouble. What kind of morons do this? Anyway, I was told by uh, one of our spies that she's actually answering the phone there. So uh, since the Revel hasn't called me back, and believe me, I'm not done with that, it's called the LVH. I hope I wasn't too late with trying to call them. But uh, I, I kind of want to get Bonnie on the phone. So I guess she's already working. Let's call the LVH. You know what's so sick? I actually remember the phone number. Anyway. Thank you for calling the legendary LVH. I'm Ray the Rock. Well, this is Sharon. How many directs your call? Yeah, I want the poker room. With pleasure. LVH Poker, Bonnie speaking. Hey, uh, this is uh, this is uh, Chico Loco. Um, I got the question for you about about the room right here at, at the LVH. About, wh- about what? About the poker room at the LVH. My, my name is yes. Chico Loco. Yes. Okay, so I I have a bad 
Come his tour to me. I was I was once in L.A. gang, and some places do not want to let me come play in their casino because they say, "Oh, you once you want a gang member, you cannot come in here." It, am I welcome in the LVH if I come there and don't cause no problem? Um, I, I guess that's a, well, they ban you from here. At one no, time no, no, or no, no. I'm not banned from here. They just do not want me in a certain room. They say, "Oh, we know you're in a gang. We do not let you here." But no, I'm not banned. I'm not banned from the hotel there or the poker room. So can I come and play at the poker room at the LVA? I would guess you can come and play as long as you behave. Okay, so so, so you you think everybody deserves a second chance is what you're saying? Yeah, of course I do. But yeah, you I do. Say, if you ban from the hotel or the casino, then that's a different story. Now, now have, have you ever had a problem yourself where you have a problem and then you know people give you a second chance? Have you ever had that? No. So I you, never get a second so chance, it seems, in my you, life. You but never I like get, to give everybody a second chance. So you, know, you never get a second chance. You, you don't have situation where people go, oh, you, you, you know, you're Bonnie, you do something wrong. We do not like you, but we give you a chance here. That, that don't happen to you because that happened to me my whole life. You know, people say, Chico Loco. I like it. I'm just saying if you're not banned from the casino or the hotel, then, of course, you can play here. Well, you know, I understand that. But, uh, okay, so I have another, one other question, okay? Um, I, I do not want to admit this, but uh, I have to tell you the truth. You sound like a nice lady, okay? Um, I, I get banned from the Aria Poker Room. I, I don't want to admit this, but I say it anyway. I get banned for cheating, okay? I, I, I get banned because someone, one of my friends, he stayed behind, and he looked at the whole card of somebody else, and he told me what they are through the signal. And I, I, I'm not going to do this again, but that's why I got banned from the Aria. Am I still? Yeah, that's, that, that you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> well, no, but can I still play in this room? Because I, you, for some as, reason, as long as as long as you're not banned from the LVH, you can play in this poker room. So you told me, even if I had cheated and could see whole cards in the past, it is okay with you as long as I do you not do it again. You haven't done it. You haven't done it in my room. I haven't done it again. Okay, I, I understand. You sound like somebody who you know can understand if somebody cheat before that that is okay. They're not banned for life from nothing. You know what I'm saying. Well, you are, you're not banned from LVH, so you're not banned from our poker room. Yeah, no, no it sounds like you, you personally... If you like that, you will get banned. No, no, I understand, but it's, it sounds yeah. to me like, like you personally understand that this is this is something that, you know, you should not be cheater for life just because you cheat once, you know? Well, that's, that doesn't have anything to do with my personal opinion. I'm just saying if you're not banned from here, you're allowed to play. Okay. And uh, of course, we've run a, a, a fair game, so we'll be watching. <laughs> okay, you'll be watching me. You know, I, I've heard I've heard you are good at watching people, so that it is good to hear from you that you'll be watching, so nobody else cheat me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what else I can tell you. If you're not banned from LVH, you can come here. Okay. <laughs> is 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 there anybody currently banned from the poker room, or is is it wide we open? We just opened on Friday. There's nobody banned from so our poker room. Nobody banned. Now, now, what what if <laughs> I I have a, I have friend. Uh, he, people do not like him very much, but he, I have become friend with him recently. Uh, his name okay, is. Okay. His, his I name have is. To take care. I'm running a poker room. His I name is a, his name anymore. is a Russ Hamilton. Is he allowed to come with me? Who? Russ Hamilton. He is my friend. Can I come with me to the poker room? Who is this? My name is a Chico Loco. No, he was not allowed to come to our poker room. Well, you told me he's not banned. You just opened on Friday, but no, no Russ Hamilton allowed here. Yeah, that's a different story. Well, no, I, I meet I meet the Russ Who Hamilton. Who am I talking to? My, I tell you, my name is El Chico Loco. I'm, I, I, I used to be in a but I used to be in but a no, gang he's, back. He's in, not allowed to play in our room. He's not allowed to play. I, did he cheat there before? I do not know why. Why is he not allowed in the room? Because of the reputation. Oh. Okay, I, I don't I'm know. Not he al- he I'm not me allowing people that have a bad reputation to play in the he, room. He tell, he tell me that he is. He told me he does not know if if he is a lad or not. He, he did not tell me the story. But I I meet him at the parasol, and you know we we talk about it. So you, you I, can, I cannot bring Russ Hamilton with me, but I can come myself. 
Well, when you come introduce yourself to me. I, I will come introduce myself to you. I say, hello, this is El Chico Loco. I'm glad to make your acquaintance, ma'am. Okay, so I, I come down. I, I'm going to come down and I'll meet you very shortly. Okay, so I come down and uh, I play. What, what game you have running right now? 1-3 No Limit. 1-3 No Limit. Okay, I, I come on down to the room with 1-3 uh, No Limit. I, I play. Is there seats open right now? Yes. Okay, I come there right now. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Did you like the awkward silence there? Jeez. Wow. That was a uh, <laughs> that was some call. Did you hear the pause when Russ was mentioned? It was, someone said in the chat room it's like a deer in the headlights. But then she says her friend Russ isn't allowed there. That is funny. That is funny. I I can't even feel bad for her. You can't feel bad for her. Like you know you you, you lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. And it's not like she ran away from that dog. She didn't kick the dog out of the house after the dog shit in the carpet, you know? Well, I wish I could do a good Russ Hamilton impression. I'd call back as him, but uh, I can't. <laughs> Someone said in the chat, I didn't know if that was going to go anywhere until you dropped Russ's name. I, I wasn't going to let it not go anywhere unless you hung up on me. I had that plan the whole time. So anyway... Um, I wonder what she's thinking right now. <laughs> Good to know, though, if you've been banned elsewhere for cheating and you admit it, they'll still let you play there because you know she is uh, she's someone who does not mind cheaters. Everybody deserves a second chance for Bonnie, but she was never given one apparently. All right, uh, let's call back the uh, Revel. That may have a hard time living up to the last call. But uh, whatever. Double your fun tonight here with with uh, prank calls on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I I like these to be topical prank calls though. You know, like I I just stopped with the random prank calls. But welcome to Revel. I'm not, I'm not listening to this again. The quality assurance. At Revel in July, you simply can't lose. We're off. We are currently receiving heavier than anticipated call volumes, and we do apologize for the wait time. For our best available rates, please feel free to visit us online at www.revelresorts.com. Again, that's www.revelresorts.com. For hotel reservations, touch one. For dining reservations, touch two. For Basque Spa, touch three. For HQ Nightclub, touch four. For Ivan Kane's Royal Jelly Burlesque Nightclub. Touch five for rental card and all other reservations. Touch six for the hotel. Touch six. To hear your rental card balance, please enter your four-digit PIN. Otherwise, please remain on the line. Wait a minute. They they want my PIN. They don't know my card number, though. Please remain on the line for the next available guest care representative. Your anticipated wait time is two minutes. All right. If you would rather have us call you back, no, you didn't call me back. No, I'm not falling for that. Thank you for calling Rebel. This July, thank you for calling Rebel. We're going to pretend we're going to call you back. You're going to ask us about our promotions, and we're not going to match all your valid slot offers from any AC casino. No, you won't. It's our way of asking you for a second chance. So come rediscover AC's most exciting casino floor. You can't lose Rebel. Gamblers want it. <laughs> Gamblers. Take oh. that music. 
at Rev. Thank Hotel. you for calling Revel. This July, you go? can't lose. We're refunding all your Where July slot go? losses. Plus, we'll match all your valid slot offers from Please. any AC casino. It's our way of asking you for a second chance. So come rediscover AC's most exciting casino floor. Okay. You can't player. lose. So, Rebel, uh, gamblers want it. I'll turn this way down. Hope you guys can I think that two minutes is a lie. Fabisham here. Um, have I reached the uh, Revel Players Club? Um, you reached Revel Guest here. All right. I suppose it's going to have to do. Um, let me explain what happened to me here. I'm, r- I'm rather flustered over this. All right. So um, I-, I saw this uh, Revel promotion where you can lose up to 100k in slot uh, in slot losses and um, get it refunded back to you over 20 weeks. Um, or whatever yeah. you lose. So I said, "Oh, splendid! I'm going to go down there and um, you know give it a shot, break my duck, and um, you know throw some money into the slots." And um, you know, I just received my pension and uh, figured that this is a good use of the money. So I, I went on down there and uh, you know went across the pond. I actually came on down to Atlantic City and um, um, did this promotion. And uh, unfortunately, um, the Queen's luck was not on my side, and I ended up losing um, the sum of um, eighty-seven thousand dollars. And it was rather disappointing to have that happen, but I said, you know what, I'm not going to get my knickers in a knot, because I know that the Revel's going to give me back that $87,000 through the promotion. Now, I know I don't get it back till August 5th, and only a bit, a bit at a time, but as long as I get it back over time, it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, yeah. I, in the middle of my play, someone came up to me, a very large gentleman, and said, um, you need to come with us. And they brought me over to the Players Club desk, and they told me that I have been banned, and now they said I have not been banned from the property, but my Players Club card has been banned, and um, I no longer qualify for this promotion. And they said, I said, have you gone mad? I didn't do anything wrong. I was just sitting here playing a machine. And they said, no, you're an advantage player. And I said, that's a bunch of bollocks. I'm not an advantage player. I'm just playing your slot machines. If I'm an advantage player by playing your slot machines, then then perhaps you need to set them so people don't win as much. 
I, I didn't understand even what an advantage play is. Anyway, they told me that taking away my card, that, that I don't qualify for this promotion, and that um, this 87000 I'm just out the money. And, and furthermore, they told me that um, all my comps that I earned are no, no longer any good. And I, I couldn't believe my ears. I, I didn't done, done a thing wrong. So, um, do you know about this? And um, if this is true, how could they still be advertising? Because I was hearing as I was on hold here, they're still advertising this um, bollocks promotion. Uh, how could they still be advertising it when they're doing things like this to people such as myself? Okay, um, let me go ahead and get your rubber card number. Uh, well, I wish I gave it to you, but they, they took it away from me. They actually snatched it out of my hand. I had it in my hand. They actually snatched it away from me and said, no more card for you. No more for Maybe you. Let me get the last name. Yes, it's Fabersham. F-A-B-E-R-S-H-A-M. You know, a sham like your promotion. And your date of birth. Do I really have to tell you how old I am? Is this really your business? It's bad enough to take away my card. Now you're going to, you're going to pigeonhole me because of my age? No one's going to pigeonhole you. I'm trying to look for your information. So all right, all right. I'm going to tell you, but please don't tell anyone. I'm very sensitive about my age. I, I'm born in, in October 21st, 1964. Yes, I'm almost 50. I understand that. But, you know, I've accomplished a lot in my life. I had 87 bloody thousand dollars to play in your casino. Obviously, that couldn't have been a great failure. Okay. Have you found my information yet? It's actually not coming up. Yeah, they probably deleted me from the system, is probably what they did. One moment. Let me go ahead and see what I think would be. No, no, I'm afraid to be on hold again. I don't want to be on hold. I was on hold for such a long time, and I, I had to hear that individual mocking me. You know what he's saying to me? He's saying... At the at the Ravel Casino, you can't lose. You can't lose. We we give you your money back. And I'm saying, no, you bloody didn't. No, you did not. And I was yelling back at the gentleman on the recording, knowing he can't very well hear me. Okay, let me get in. Don't don't put me in. I don't want to hear that gentleman again. Not not one more time. I'm going to have a panic attack if I hear him again. Okay. Oh. I hope she comes back soon. Ma'am, can you hear me? Is this what's known as a silent hold? Because this is this is almost worse than hearing the gentleman. I, I kind of feel like I'm alone. Alone in a dark room somewhere. Without my money! I don't know what she's going to do. Is she just taking a break? If somebody in the chat room saying that I'm, this, this girl is nice and I'm being mean to her, I'm not being mean. I'm being mean about the promotion. I didn't blame her personally for this. Yeah, I'm about to hang up in this whole thing. Don't have the last ten minutes to spend on this matter. This is really going to... This is really chapping my hide. Putting me on hold for no reason. People saying she's tolerating stupidity well. This is not stupidity. If you had lost 87 large at that casino and not gotten the money back as promised to you, you would not be calling this the least bit stupid other than on their end. Stupidity. 
can't believe this chat room sometimes. Can't believe some of you. And you wonder why I left the show. Stupidity. Let's look what's on the schedule. Let's look what we have left in our final uh, 15 minutes or so. Before we terminate this abortion of a phone call. I'm afraid this is not going anywhere at this point. Alright, so that's the end of that. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we weren't going to get much uh, meaningful dialogue out of her. and If I had more time, I would have stuck it out. But uh, got to quickly go through, through some things here before we end the show. Um, speaking of New, of New Jersey, um, Party Poker is partnering with the Borgata to enter the New Jersey online poker market. As you know... Uh, PokerStars has already partnered with Resorts after first failing to do so with the Atlantic Club. So uh, Party Poker, who's in a much better uh, shape anyway. I mean, they don't have to get a license themselves because it'll be Borgata's license, but uh, they're going to be looked upon much more favorably since they actually exited the market when the UIGEA was passed and paid a fine to the U.S. government rather than PokerStars, which uh, soldiered on until Black Friday. But anyway, they will be in the marketplace too. But don't get too excited. You will not be playing against the party poker regulars that are on the site right now, you will be playing against others in the state of New Jersey and only them until New Jersey makes partnerships with other areas. It's like a separate alternate universe party poker that will just be for New Jersey that will be under the Borgata label. But it'll be that software. Similar to how WSOP.com will be using the 888.com software. And I'm not sure what uh, PokerStars will be using. Probably their own software. Or sorry, I mean, it'll be their software. With uh, resorts, that's what I meant to say. So, um, on a totally different note, Dutch Boyd had an interview with Seriously Serious. Now, you won't hear Seriously Serious, who you know has been a co-host on the show before. You won't hear him, but he's asking these questions off camera, and then Dutch is responding. Dutch is explaining why he bricked every single one of his preliminary World Series of Poker events for the tune of about 50k why he w- lost that much money now he did end up cashing in the main after this for i think 20 something k but he lost 50k in the prelims and he blames Scott Fishman who was once a close friend of his okay so yeah the, the summer is not going well uh played about 20 something events just whiffed it whiffed it just done 50K, yeah, just gone. And it's so disappointing, you know? I'm going to blame it on tournament rust. It's been, like, before I got here, it was about a year since I played the last big live event. I wasn't really doing the circuit. Now that Black Friday's here, we're not really doing the weekly grind. So uh, I'm going to blame it on tournament rust. I think a lot of it had to do with a bad living situation. Uh, First part of the summer, I was... was, uh, Staying with Scott Fishman. That turned out to be a nightmare. Nightmare. He just completely went crazy. Uh, So, yeah, he kicked us out. And his other roommates out for no reason. And, you know, we we paid. We paid up. He kept the money. And Sims is out on the street in Vegas on a Saturday right before EDC, right? So it sucked. Well, he was on a lot of drugs. And, uh... 
he started getting these paranoid delusions. First, he started thinking that everybody at the World Series is cheating him. Marked cards everywhere he sees. He's sitting there with, like, Corey Zeidman and, and uh, Cindy Violet, convinced that they're, like, colluding. And he's convinced that, like, Chris Gregorian has a little hidden camera on the felt. And he keeps on looking at his phone. So, of course, he has someone on the rail and the media texting him whole cards. So he starts really getting on this whole paranoid kick first. And then... Now, I just want to stop right there. Um, this is the part that I believe the most from Dutch Boy. He's going to go on and talk about uh, all the fallout from Scott Fishman's paranoia that he thought was fueled by drugs. But uh, this is hard stuff to make up with this detail. Cindy Violet and Corey Zeidman were colluding against him. I mean, of all people, Cindy Violet? Uh, Chris Gregorian, a name you haven't thought of in quite some time, probably, is uh, somehow using a hidden camera to look at his whole cards. I mean... If you had to make up a story about people in poker cheating you, would you make it up about Chris Gregorian or Cindy Violet? I mean, if you're going to make up a story of people cheating you, you'd say, oh, Chino Reem is cheating me. Something believable, something like a cheater that comes to mind immediately. Even go old school and blame it on uh, Z Justin, you know, Justin Bonomo. Cindy Violet? Chris Gregorian? So there's no way Dutch made this up. Yes, Dutch has been crazy. Yes, Dutch has lied in the past. I don't trust everything Dutch says. But this is just too weird to make up. I believe Fishman really said these things. Now, whether or not it directly impacts what Dutch is about to say after this and the reason he got kicked out of his living situation, I don't know. But I believe this much. It's just too weird to have been made up. He kind of takes it to the next level. He comes home one day. He's like, Dutch, why were you in my room? I'm like, I wasn't in your room. He's like, Yo, you were in my room. I know you were in my room because there was a bottle of water down there that wasn't there. And I was like, okay, I wasn't in your room, Scott. You know, I was actually at the Rio all day playing. Why would I go into your room? And he's like, well, you were. And he starts thinking, why would you go into my room? That's what he says. Unless... Unless you're cheating me, too. It looks at me, I'm like, Scott, no, come on. You're out of line. You're out of line, buddy. You got to get your head in the game. You got to pull it together. And so uh, I go upstairs, like, okay, whatever. I go to bed the next morning. This long, handwritten letter. Uh, Sorry, but you guys have to leave. I'm like, okay. So he gave us part of it back, 250, but he, like, he did the math wrong, so he's still owed like three hundred. Plus, it doesn't really like, it doesn't really help. You know, it's like we, we made this plan to stay out here. We had other options. We had to give up. We brought a dog because we figured, okay, we're staying with Scott. He's got two dogs. We'll bring our our puppy. No big deal. It's not really a puppy. Four year old Shih Tzu Poodle. So yeah, I mean, being in Vegas with a dog is awesome unless you're actually looking for a hotel room. And then your options are what the quad on the pet level. And we walked into the quad, man, and it was, I've been in some dives. You know, when I first rolled in here in Vegas, I was staying at the Las Vegas Youth Hostel, you know, with, like, a guy who's pissing all over himself, coming out of divorce, a couple of, you know, Mexicans who didn't speak English and just got off, like, a week-long landscaping thing, and that place looked like the Ritz compared to this quad. Sounds like he stayed with Chico Loco for a while. Man, Caesar should be ashamed, really. We walked into that room, and the, it, it, it smelled like a thousand cats just, like, 
circled around each other, pissed and shit all over each other, and just died <laughs> right there in the room. And then Caesar's like, "Oh, should we should we clean? No, don't worry about that." Yeah, like, hey, we got some Febreze. Oh, no. Okay, whatever. Heads and beds next. Yeah, so it was a, it was bad. So the whole summer is just, like, moving all of our stuff from one place to another. It's 120 degrees. Our stuff is melting in the car. I brought these two real nice Razer gaming keyboards and uh, melted. Just all of our stuff's getting ruined. M- my girlfriend, Michelle, is just freaking out. You know, so... Uh, but you know what? That's not why I did piss poor this summer. It's tournament rust. <laughs> you know, it's... So that was uh, Dutch Boyd. That's as far as the interview goes. I know it kind of cuts off in the middle of nowhere, but uh, props to Seriously Serious for getting him to talk about this stuff. I believe most of what he said. Now, Scott Fishman tweeted later that Dutch should be on a lie detector test That it's all you know BS That he's not telling the whole story And I'm sure there's more to the story I'm sure Dutch wasn't an angel I'm sure Scott Fishman has some Truthful things he could tell too That wouldn't make Dutch look as good But I also don't think Dutch made all this up And I also believe Dutch's uh, characterization Of the quad pet level That's got to be pretty awful over there Bad enough to stay at the quad But the quad pet area I mean, there's some pet-friendly hotels, but at least they don't have pets every single day. The pet area means every single day it's occupied by a pet. That's got to be awful. So, pretty bad. So, uh, Dutch somewhat redeemed himself, poker-wise, to cash in the main event after that. And we came in with similar stacks on day three, but uh, he cashed and I didn't. So it goes. I don't believe this tournament rust thing. I, I just think that uh, that's somewhat of excuses, and who knows. I, I have a feeling maybe Dutch wasn't in the best state of mind for a lot of this, both from the living situation and maybe other things going on. So, But, you know, congrats for cashing in the main event. At least he got that done. Uh, I want to play another video. This is uh, Brian Pellegrino from Lock Poker talking about why he's staying with the company. Okay. Uh, yeah, so as far as the lock poker situation, I think everyone knows, you know, went to a retreat in Portugal, talked directly to the owner, talked... Yeah, the Portugal retreat that they wouldn't talk about had I not brought this up and proven it. ...talked to the management, found out kind of plans moving forward. There's a bunch of stuff that I heard there that I know that other people don't know that made me confident in lock, you know, right? Now, let me tell you about Brian Pellegrino. Everybody knows he's a good player. Nobody questions his poker play. He's, he's respected on the felt, poker-wise. But, boy, this kid's naive. He's been scammed before in a really dumb situation. And now he's representing Locke, and instead of just quietly representing them, which is also wrong, he's been arguing with people on 2 Plus 2, taking up for the cause, doing this video. I mean, he's constantly waving their flag, saying, hey, I know some things, everything's okay. And But yet, he doesn't really know anything. He knows what Jennifer Larson has told him. So Jennifer Larson, she's good at, at bamboozling idiots and bamboozling the naive. So she tells people like him, he's a, a young kid, not very world-wise, so to speak. She tells him all this BS, and he swallows it. He doesn't see any hard proof. It's not like he went into their bank and saw their bank accounts. They just tell him, oh, these are our plans. This is why this is happening. This is why that's happening. Oh, okay, well, thanks for telling me. That, that's basically what he did. And if you listen to this closely as I play it, that's pretty much what he's saying. 
Jennifer told me some things. I believe her. I think everything's fine. Right now, obviously, the situation's not great. I have a lot of money locked up on there myself. That I, I don't get it out faster than anyone else. My last two cash outs took 10 weeks and then five weeks. Um, so obviously, that's number one priority. Want it to get addressed. Uh, I do know of some things moving forward that gave me confidence that still solvent will be paying out everyone. Obviously, if I knew anything different than that, uh, my view would be completely different. That I know when that's happening. It hasn't happened yet. So when it does, if nothing changes, my, my view will change a lot. But at the, at the moment... I'm but they were saying in June it'll change. They were saying by June 1st it'll all be different. It'll all be changed. Everyone's payout will be faster. It's not. They've made a few payouts to you know people who have smaller payouts coming. And for the most part, people are still waiting some as long as November. So it hasn't changed, and he's still there. Just kind of like... I'm going to have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, a ton of people are super unhappy with me doing that. Yeah, I wonder why. Vocal. But, you know, I, I try to whatever, put my money where my mouth is. I bought lock dollars at market rate. I've recently just bought some more money. Now, he's saying he bought them at market rate. Well, that, that's not a lot to brag about. He's buying it at a third of its value to where if it turns out he does have inside information that they're going to be okay, he's just rolled people for two-thirds of their value because lock was so shady. And people got scared and panic sold to him. Now, if he bought it at full price, that would be putting his money where his mouth is. Where if he's buying it up at uh, market value, that just means he's uh, he's trying to bet against the people who don't think Locke is good and trying to make money off of their fear. I have a ton on there. Um, I'm not actively, you know, I'll still... You don't see me sending out sign-up links, right? I, I, I do think the site's going to get better. But right now, I'm not like hey, please come sign up because I wouldn't feel comfortable putting people in that situation. And I think the management is totally fine with us taking that route right now. Everybody wants it to improve. I, I do believe that it will improve, but I'm not pulling people in. Like I'll. So that's that's been the new way they've been doing things. They, they've toned down the active tweeting, like come to lock. They, the, the pros have, I think, struck this deal with Jennifer where they don't actively tweet but um, are still representing the brand. And I think that's on purpose. I think that, that Jennifer is happy to see that because she knows when they tweet out, hey, play on lock, that just gets everyone angry and inflames the situation worse. So it's actually better that they don't actively promote it right now because that just brings up to everybody the problems that are going on there. It's just the promotion is not worth it. The promotion ends up being negative promotion. So, uh, But yet if they were to quit, that would be look even worse. So so Jennifer thinks, and probably accurately, the best way to handle it right now is to not have them actively tweet out lock poker tweets, but to not leave either. And that's what these people are doing, and they think, they've, uh, they think they're they think they doing some favor for the community. The bottom line is, Brian and everyone else representing them, if you're wearing a lock patch, which he is in this video, if you're representing lock poker in any way, if you're on their website representing them, people are signing up when they see you and saying, hey, Brian Pellegrino is a good guy, I'm going to sign up because he's one of their pros. If even one person signs up there because they see your face or your name and thinks their money's safe when it's not, when it's trading right now at a third of value or less, people have just signed up using you know because of your name, because of your endorsement, and getting they're getting cheated. And I don't know how you sleep at night. So you can rationalize it all you want. Um, anyway, I'm not going to play the rest of this. I don't have time right now. You can go watch it. It's... Uh, um, in our lock poker thread, the sticky thread and scam scandals and shadiness, you can watch the whole thing. But that, that's the main point he's making, that he's buying up money. Um, he's not actively promoting it, but um, he's still staying on, and it's not going to do any good if he leaves. Well, yes, it will do good if he leaves, because if he leaves and other people leave, that will send the message to everybody else 
who's considering playing there that it really is a sinking ship and people won't deposit. Now, will it lower the chances that existing players will get paid? Yeah, it will. But I don't believe it's right to steal from future players in order to pay the existing ones owed money. I feel bad for the people who lost money there, who who have their money stuck on there, but that doesn't mean it's okay to steal from new people to pay them. At some point, you just have to cut everyone's losses, and if you've lost money, they're tough luck. That's part of the risk you took. The right thing is not to steal from new people to try to right the ship. So, I can't agree with anything he's saying here. Uh, finally, I just want to... Uh, and by the way, Locke is deleting Facebook comments. Anything mentioning, where's my cash? Or, hey, I've been waiting a long time. Even innocuous, like just legitimate questions. Like, hey, I've been waiting since November. Can you give me more information on my cash out? They just delete it from the Facebook page. They've been deleting comments like crazy. Going back years. They actually just did, recently did this. Went through their page and deleted anything that looks slightly negative for them. Even things that are completely true. Like about the cash out situation. They're really trying to cover that up on lock. That uh, if you deposit your money, you may not be able to get it out. Which of course is highly unethical. And uh, don't deposit there. And You know anybody who's playing there? Talk them out of it. Talk them out of it. Bad, bad news in lock poker. Still is, always will be. In my opinion. And in many people's opinions. Um, I wasn't happy to see a lot of lock poker pros cashing and running deep in the main event, but, you know, that's just the way it went. Sometimes karma doesn't take care of these people, uh, just like how Chino Ream and Erica Lindgren uh, have done well in recent months. They don't really deserve that either. Uh, final thing I just want to mention before the show is over, uh, Eric Stonstegar, the theft victim of the Rio. We had him on the show last week, interviewed him. Uh, happy to announce that he got his final 2000 back. You can go back last week if you want to hear the whole story, but uh, basically someone went into his room who had a working key that shouldn't have a guest. It was either a guest that was double booked into his room or the guest who was in his room beforehand that whose key still worked when it shouldn't have. Someone, Some guest went in, took his iPad, took 3000 bucks out of his suitcase. The, he reported it. The Rio figured out who did it by looking at who entered the room, got a hold of this person who was probably still at the Rio, got back his iPad physically, you know, handed him his iPad back. He went in and met with them at the Rio, the security. They handed him his own iPad back, and they said, oh, this is all the guy said there was in there. So the person who stole 3000 from him gave back 1000 in the iPad instead of 3000 in the iPad. The Rio refused to give him the other 2000 but after further pressure, they gave him the other 2000 So Eric Sonsigard has been made whole. This whole thing was a nightmare for him, but he ended up getting both his iPad and all $3,000 back. I don't know if they got it from that guy by approaching him again. They never, they wouldn't tell him who it was. I don't know if they got it back out of the thief or if they just decided to give him the 2000 But uh, um, I'm glad Eric kept pressing. I'm glad Eric was made whole. I'm glad this one had a happy ending. It would be a happier ending if the thief ended up in prison, but that probably didn't happen. I will ask Eric if he ever found out who it was or if uh, there will be any kind of uh, charges pressed on him. So, uh, unfortunately, I have to end because I, I have something I have to do at 10 o'clock, and I'm already a little bit late for it. But I'd like to thank everybody for listening tonight. And I want to remind you all that the show will not be on next week. There will be no makeup for next week. Next week just not going to be on the schedule. But I will return July 30th at 7 o'clock, our regularly scheduled time. I'd like to thank all the live listeners tonight, all the archive listeners. You can find Poker Fraud Alert in the archives on Stitcher, which is an app you can get for your iPhone and other smartphones. 
You can find it on iTunes. And if you don't want to use any of that crap, you can just come directly to our site, into our radio form, and play the MP3 files right there. They'll even play directly on your smartphone by just clicking on them. A lot of ways you can listen to this show, both live and in the archives. So uh, want as many people to listen as possible. We actually have more people listening, not live, more archive listeners than, uh, sorry, archive listeners <laughs> than we do live. But I appreciate all of them. Maybe we'll even have a co-host in two weeks. So uh, I look forward to uh, having a co-host maybe in two weeks. And if not, I'll soldier on myself. I want to let you guys know that uh, two weeks again after that, on August 13th, there will be no show. So uh, we will have two weeks this summer. There will be no show. One is next week. The other will be on August 13th. I will be available on the forum. I'm not disappearing from the forum. I just won't be able to do radio next week and that week in the middle of August. So uh, you can always click on the radio page, the radio tab on the site, and you will see the changes in schedule. Other than that, we're keeping to a regular schedule, Tuesday at 7 o'clock or thereabouts, every week. I wonder how Bonnie Lanehost is feeling right now. I wonder if she thinks that Chico Loco is going to walk through the door. I wonder if security is going to jump on any Hispanic-looking guy who looks like kind of a badass that steps through the LVH, and in that case, to whoever that tough-looking Hispanic dude is that walks into the LVH, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. See you in two weeks on the 30th. Shalom.